Graham is an all-in believer in chemtrails. Um, but in some cases, in some very rare cases, they do seem to have some form of intelligence. And you certainly see that in the case of, um, of Earthlights. I mean, you, you may have read um, some of Paul Devereaux's books on, on Earthlight. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grand America Show. Uh, we are going to be chatting with Lewis Proud a little bit later about uh, electromagnetism and magnetism, all sorts of fun stuff like that. Fun episode, one of those weird Sunday afternoon shows. It always seems a little weird recording on a Sunday, um, but came, it was a good, good show, fun show. Of course, before we get into all that, we got the one and only, Graham, I found a hole in my pants pocket, so I decided to play ball hockey Dunlop. How's it going? What the fuck does that mean? I thought you would get it. No, what does that mean? I don't understand any of that. <laughs> what does that have to do with ball hockey? A hole in my pants pocket. I don't it's just get what it. it says. It's from Frank. Yes, when you play with your balls. Oh, balls. <laughs> oh, ball hockey. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I do have, well, because I have a hole in my pocket for one of my favorite pairs of pants, and it pisses me off. Cause do you play with your balls when it happens? Chain slips through there all the time. So I was like trying to think of. Shouldn't it just happen once? Why? Before you realize there's a hole in that pocket and you don't put change in it. It's a small hole and it doesn't always fall out, so I take the chance. <laughs> Can you just put it in your other pocket? Uh, I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, things things go in certain pockets for a reason. You got a phone in one pocket, you change in the other pocket. I don't like it with my phone, right? Change with my phone. Scratch so why don't you put your phone in the thong with a small hole? <clears throat> But your change feel right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's kind of like sometimes it's just like Darwinism. You deserve to learn lose your money. Uh, yeah, enough of making fun. Anyway, of so is that what ball hockey is? When you play with your balls with your fingers through <clears throat> your holes, that's like a urban dictionary. Definition. I think that's just a real old childish <clears throat> way to you know. I'm gonna hit up there. Well, let's go to the uh, urban dictionary. I don't see why you have to do that. Quit playing ball hockey. You know, it was pocket pool. This one, you know. That was back in the 70s. It was pocket pool. How do you know? You weren't even around. Even close to being around. I was just in... I wasn't even a you twinkle even in my daddy's eye. I don't know. Ball hockey. Hockey played on a surface that resembles an ice rink, but is smaller in size and is it's not ice. It's smaller than ice rink. Yeah, that's wrong right off the bat. i to change that. <laughs> Wikipedia. <laughs> it's wrong. It's not that, Oh, that's the Urban Dictionary? The Urban yeah. Dictionary. Do you know what the Urban Dictionary says for type in Grammarica? It says, mm-hmm. a zen state of mind. No. <laughs> Many people Come believe on. it. To, it may be even be a physical, physical location likely to be found in Atlantis. Come on. Guy one. Fucking tough day at work. I'm going home to do Grimerica. Guy two. I should too. Cruising with steak is getting boring. That's not in the Urban Dictionary. <laughs> yeah. No. Guy one. Dude, being in Grimerica puts me in a place that gets me ready to face the world. Okay, we've already done this segment. This was your Twitter poll or whatever, or this was one of the uh, Facebook questions. What was? 
what does Great America mean to you? And then people would say, This is the Urban Dictionary. I know, but that was the same thing. People no, took their Facebook thing off the Urban Dictionary. This from, they put their Facebook well, this one is from November eighteenth, twenty seventeen. That's where guy two. That's so from. sweet. Quit pointing at me. I'm not pointing at you. Did he well, that's it? in the post. Yeah, exactly. And then dad, there's two definitions. Definition two. Not your grandparents' paranormal conspiracy podcast. Broadcasted to the universe from Canada. Joe, would you shoot or save Bigfoot? Bob, what? <laughs> Joe, I heard the question from Grand America. That was by Glitch Tech on 420. Wow. Fifth, there you go. April 20th, 2018. I do have a beef about a you beef right now. Yeah. With me? Yeah. Okay. When we're in a show... Mm-hmm. And I'm pointing. I'm not pointing at you. Like you just that. That's, that's not. That's, point, that's clearly I'm not pointing, pointing at, at you. No, as no, in, like you. No, I'm just expressing point, myself yeah. with my hands. I'm not pointing at you. And then she you did. interrupt my flow, and you interrupt the show, and you got to do this weird face thing. And it's not about you. And I'm not pointing at you. I'm What's just, that? What do you call I'm that? I'm not pointing at you. I'm not going like that. Like you know, like the, you, you. I'm not doing that. That's not fair. And then it fucking throws me off. And then. Just don't point at me. Well, you gotta get over that somehow. We gotta figure out maybe some past life therapy, or maybe we your dog in the past life or something. How about that? Could that be part of the therapy? I'm not pointing at you. I'm trying to explain that. You can't just be watching my hands in case it goes. (laughs) It you know goes in that general direction. That's not pointing at you. Okay, I'll try and dial it back. Okay, and I'll try and not physically point but okay. if i'm expressing myself okay, it's this is good festivus it's like an early festivus yeah airing of the grievances actually when this episode comes out i'll be at the polar express oh yeah i'm going oh, on the motherfucking polar express that movie creeped me out really yeah why i don't know just gave me the creeps probably because you're fucking 42 years old in a theater <laughs> full of children i didn't see in the theater <laughs> okay i didn't even watch all of it because it was fucking creeped me out Tom Hanks? The animation was, is a little off. Yeah, that's probably why. Some of those movies. But it's 15 sometimes years old it's now. Like, well, you, I know, I swear, some of these movies, they try and make them into like high def or 4K, whatever the fuck your TV is, and it just like gets weird. Yeah. But it gets a little weird. I, you know, I think, so, so is the homeless so on guy like on the a, train Santa Claus? I don't Anyway, yeah, we go on the train. We go, we sit on the train. This is a live train that's supposed yeah, to be like drives, the Polar Express. Got, yeah. Oh, with the, taking the kids? Yeah. When are you doing that? Friday. Nice. It's fucking ridiculous. You got to be there. It starts at 4.30. Oh, and you got to be there really 45 good. minutes early. Why would they do that? I don't know. My kids doesn't even get out of school till fucking 3.30. Yeah, why would they? So we gotta, I mean, I all the adults have to leave work early. early to get to the Polar Express? And all, by the, I didn't know it existed, so I just fucking, when I, by the time I found it, all the Saturdays are sold out. So you take a Friday, I'm assuming it'd be like Friday night. You gotta be there at 3.45. Who the fuck can be someplace at 3.45? It's an hour out of the city. Really? Well, it's in Mosley. Anyway, they got, they got, uh, the reason I bring it up is because they have the fucking midnight train ride in the cars with no ceiling glass ceiling you could see city ufos out of a train in the prairies maybe a meetup mm. you or, can't really well you'd have to turn all the lights off in the car like you well that's what the point of the car is it's the stargazing train right is it really yeah you can really see stars 
I think so. I've never done it, but that's, they call it that. So it'd be annoying if they just had a bunch of lights on. It's, I think it's just, it's like at that Aspen crossing, right? So it's just that, that little train track. It goes like fucking 20 miles and comes back and that's it. You know, it's just this little chunk of train crosses Aspen or whatever. That's what I don't even know these towns. I don't know what the fuck Where, that is. Is this either. north of us? Northeast? That can't be northeast. Southeast. 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 Okay. That's an idea. Yeah. Might be fun. Might be fun. They yeah. have a, the one you just stop. Can you take you over know? a whole car? Like, cause we, it would be pretty weird if we're doing our protocols and meditating at the singing bowl and all that. And, you know, There's a bunch of kids yelling and screaming. Yeah. And a bunch of drunks. Looking up at, yeah, exactly. That's the problem. We'd have to have our own car. You'd have to book out the whole thing. Yeah. I think it's about 72 bucks a seat. How many seats have I been going there? Holy. <clears throat> that might just be for the Polar Express. You get a golden ticket and you get the little ball that jingles. You don't know because the movie creeped you out. Why do you watch movies if you don't have kids? Why would you be watching the Polar Express? <clears throat> do you watch all the kids' movies? No. No, because th- back in the day, like 15 years ago, some of those animated movies, like... Aliens versus monsters, like those were some hilarious are, movies. Some of them are still pretty good. Those you know which really one I really liked movies. was Inside Out was pretty good. It's the one about feelings. It's a Pixar one <clears throat> about feelings. And uh, you think that's good for the kids? To- yeah, probably. Probably better than what we've been doing. You know, I think we're sort of yeah. dealing with the repercussions of that now. <laughs> you know, we live there. <laughs> we, we see what that does to people, but. Um. Yeah, the other one I just watched was well. The last really good ones were fucking Lilo and Stitch, I think. Ooh, I haven't watched that. Is that worth watching? The first one and the second. Is your mic okay. on? The mic's not on. No, it's not. <laughs> Terrence, can you turn down? <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> I'm always looking for a good cartoon. Right now, it's Christmas movie season. I like Christmas. That's probably why I watched it. It was probably a Christmas thing. I like I watch a lot of cartoons. Do you? A lot of cartoons. I probably watch as much cartoons as Grimstake watches anime. I don't think so. Grim- <laughs> That's probably not. Yeah. Why is he watching so much anime? He loves anime. Why? Because I don't know. Because it's it's cool. I guess he likes it. Is it? Huh. If you like it. What do you got for us, buddy? Oh well, I got a long email here. So do you want to start a with that email? kind of, or do you want to do you mind of? going into that? I mean, I got some. I got some great. I got fourteen signs you between. watch too much anime. <clears throat> okay, let me start off with this one first. It'll be fun. Let me start Are off with serious? just one of these. Yeah, that's oh, trying to get me to download some. Of course, this fucking. I don't want to watch anime. No, just. Uh, Ugh. Yeah, fuck it. Okay. Read your email. I'm just Is it Grim a Steak, Grim Steak, our friends at Cruising with Steak. He has got all fourteen signs. You can just say that right now. He's got what? All 14 signs. All 14 signs of what? That he watches too much anime. You said there was oh. a... Yeah, I don't know. But that seems to have been clickbait. I probably have some anime fucking virus running around <laughs> this motherfucker now. Is this a jingle-worthy uh Well, you email? can call it a syn- uh, synchro. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to um, read one that everybody probably knows already, but I think it's worth redoing. Ripple stick? Cinco? Sure, yeah. Wow. 
I want a good skull for my synchronicity If Graham reads it out, then Dara might give it to me Hey, don't you please read it low, yeah, yeah So this is just from Matt. He says, hello, Graham. On a recent episode, you guys were talking briefly about the Lincoln-Kennedy assassination coincidences. So I thought I'd pass along a list from one of my weird books. Richard Belzer also adds another one to the list from his book, UFOs, JFK, and Elvis. So I'm going to save it for the end. And he also asks if we've heard about the curse of Tippecanoe or Tip Canoe. You're going to save what for the end? The this uh, this one that this guy adds to the list of Lincoln Kennedy. Are you going to go through the whole go, list? Yeah, I, I We're doing that one. right think, now. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, I think it's a good a good enough. I I did feel like uh, some of these were left out. Actually, some of them were left out. It didn't seem like there was as many as I remembered. So you might remember a couple of them. So Lincoln was elected president in 1860. Kennedy was elected in 1960, exactly 100 years later. Both men were deeply involved with civil rights for Negroes. Both men were assassinated on a Friday in the presence of their wives. Each wife had lost a son while living at the White House. Both men were killed by a bullet that entered the head from behind. Lincoln was killed in Ford's Theater. Kennedy met his death while riding in a Lincoln convertible made by Ford Motor Company. Both men were succeeded by vice presidents named Johnson, who were Southern Democrats and former senators. Andrew Johnson was born in 1808. Lyndon Johnson was born in 1908, exactly 100 years later. The first name of Lincoln's private secretary was John. The last name of Kennedy's private secretary was Lincoln. The first name of Lincoln's, oh, sorry, I just read that. John Wilkes Booth was born in 1839, and that's according to some sources, so I don't, I guess that's not confirmed. Lee Harvey Oswald was also born in 1939, 100 years later. Both assassins were Southerners who held extremist views. Allegedly. Allegedly. Both assassins were murdered before they could be brought to trial. Booth shot Lincoln in a theater and fled to a barn. Oswald shot Kennedy from a warehouse and fled to a theater. Lincoln and Kennedy each has seven letters. Andrew Johnson and Lyndon Johnson each has 13 letters. John Wilkes Booth and Lee Harvey Oswald each has 15 letters. I mean, it's... Okay, one more. In addition... I lost it. Spooky action at a distance. No kidding, eh? In addition, a week before Lincoln was shot, he was in Monroe, Maryland. A week before Kennedy shot, was shot, he was in Maryland, Monroe. Is that the add-on? That buddy emailed in? Yeah. <clears throat> is that just a zinger, or is that true? It's, well... You could be spreading fake news right now. I know, I could be. In addition, the first public proposal that Lincoln be the Republican candidate for president in a letter to the Cincinnati Gazette, November 6, 1858, also endorsed a John Kennedy for vice president, John P. Kennedy, who was former, formerly Secretary of the Navy. 
of the Navy. So it's just one of those ones that really makes you think. I mean, I thought there was a few more. I thought it was a little bit more profound, but it does make you think, is this really, there's what some, is the nature of reality? When, there's when some strangeness like there, for sure. Yeah. It's fucked up. Yeah. What do you think? <clears throat> okay, I got a long one from, uh, this is like a trip report, weird synchro, and it's also uh, a technical problem with support that we can address. I only, I only got this a couple days ago, so I figured it's probably a good time. This can lead into... Have a little support segment talk about black budget and um and paypal well let me let me start with this one can i play a jingle sure what jingle would i play whatever you want it's trip trip report and synchro and all of it together it's a big long email with all three yeah you only mentioned two things technical problems with the support we don't have a technical problems with the support jingle <coughs> oh we do <laughs> we have a uh Housekeeping jingle now, though. That's not good. What? Right. American Trip Report. Oh, nice. So this is from... Uh, see, people have to say, if they, if they don't want to be... They don't want me to read who, who wrote it, or if they don't want me to read their emails, they have to say so. And this fact is, check it before you send it in, because Graham's just going to read whatever you write. What do you mean fact check it? Don't send us. Check what? They're fucking personal stories most of the time. Well, most of the time, but that one wasn't. That's true. But yeah. That's 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 fine. We've all heard that. You, did not, you, you get clipped out, have we? Yeah. So this is from yeah. Alex, and he says, um, you canceled me, <laughs> LOL. And it's uh, a, a screenshot of PayPal. Your automatic pay pa- pay- payments were suspended. So I better be careful I'm not trying to disparage PayPal. Don't disparage PayPal. PayPal. That's apparently in their terms of service. I can't disparage them. Hello, Alex McCook. Grimerica has suspended... Why would you say his full name? Because that's what the <laughs> screenshot says. Grimerica has suspended your automatic payments. Contact Grimerica for details or how to reactivate your payments. Here are the details. So this is, you know, this is not new. This is um, happens to other shows all the time. I don't think it's anything uh, that nefarious. happens to us. We've heard about this happening to us at least a <clears throat> yeah. couple dozen times. It's not nefarious. It's just, I don't know. It's pretty silly, really. Well, the problem is we've had a couple people email in and say that their fucking account got frozen for um, four months or whatever. Six months. But he said that it fucking froze his account for... Didn't give us our money, and then it froze his PayPal account for six months over yeah, the three dollars thirty-three last, uh, I think we talked about it on the show. Episode. So, anyways, it's not. If you get that cancellation notice, it's not us. Um, no, talk, no, we, we would can never talk about say no. later. On, we can talk about other ways to to support other options like Stripe and Patreon and stuff like that. So here's uh, here's this, anyways. Uh, so hey, sorry. This got kind of long, so I broke it into three parts to make it easier. It starts with a technical issue, and then a synchro happened, and I started ranting, kind of. Anyways, hope you're having a good day, and this long email isn't too boring. Well, I loved it. I loved the email, so I want to read it right now, and it's got this. Hey, Graham, first I wanted to say thank you for the great show you guys put out. It keeps my, my day and mood positive, and the reason I'm emailing this is because I finally signed up for a monthly donation, 333. Wow. Immediate- Much obliged, sir. Immediately after I signed up that on your website, the page redirected me back to the home page and displayed something like this page is unavailable. What did he sign up on the Stripe? I don't know. I checked my bank account and it took out the 333 on the on today, the 10th. 
I can send you a screenshot of my transaction history if you want. I checked my email to see if I received a username or some type of login info, but I haven't yet. If it is something I just need to wait for, please let me know. I'm not really worried about it. I was mostly donating because you guys deserve it, but the black budget feed would be cool. It may be a problem with the switch over to Stripe, so I figured this technical problem might be good for you guys to know about. I know this tech stuff is Darren's field, so maybe you can just forward it to him. Darren doesn't really read my email, so I'd rather just read it on the air, and then that's a guarantee that Darren can sort of address it. Assuming I'm paying attention. Thank you again for the amazing show. <laughs> you guys are great. So I can we can stop now quickly and say, so we're still manually sending out um, stuff. Yes. For Especially if you signed up through the Stripe. The so Stripe if somebody signs manual. up, you still get a manual um, email that mm-hmm. we'll do automatically with, with Black Budget Feed. Yeah, and, so, Matt, and then I'll get Ryan, I'll get you a password and a username. But if you go through Stripe, that's all manual. The PayPal, I think. Does, well, let's go over to the. Let's go over to the fuck you page. Addresses these things. Let's see. The website is much faster now. It's on the new server. The problem was that they transferred the website. They put the website on a server on the west coast, and they left the security certificate on the server on the east coast. Who's they? I don't want to say. Really? Our host. Okay. We don't say them. People yeah, can't yeah. go and say, yeah, like, yeah. these guys are fucking Nazis. You got to take them off. Mostly you. Uh, da, da. Yeah, if you go through PayPal on the website, you should automatically get something. If you don't, shoot me an email. Okay. If you go yep. through Stripe, it's manual. You got to email me. Okay. And the Stripe what? especially. Well, the if somebody goes through Stripe, they have to email you for the black budget feed? I should be able to actually find a setting in Stripe that makes it email me. Yeah. Because right yeah, now it doesn't. Good, We've had I, like six people sign up to Stripe. I wonder. Okay. So we should figure that out. So, because we have to uh, get Well, I actually think through Stripe, there. I think I can set up a page on Grimerica. I just haven't done it yet because everything's a scramble. Yeah. Okay. But I think what I, what it does is when you fucking sign up on Stripe, it'll send you to a page on Grimerica that's not navigable. And then I could just have the information there. I think. Okay, we'll but figure, figure that out. out. The strike's been working for like three days. Fuck, okay. give us no, a No, that's good. Yeah, no, nobody's right. giving you busting like your balls. It's me. Seems I'm just like wanting. So make sure people get their their feeds to the uh, to the black budget. Because that's where we put all this extra content. Sometimes a little that's more right. controversial. Darren's been reading essays and stuff. Well, I read a couple of them too. That's and, pretty uh, pointy. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it's fine. Okay, here's a, here's a weird synchro that this guy has here. So I was typing out this email while I'm at work. While I'm at work, I listen I to your show. I should say the PayPal buttons on the website have been acting funny. We've had a couple people sign up for, because you enter your own amount, right? We've had one person try and sign up for 1089, and PayPal keeps entering it as a dollar eleven. Wow. And then someone else tried to do a $15 a month, keeps coming up as a dollar and eleven. So Jordan's trying to fix it right now. Okay. He said he might have to delete it and reinstall it, but... And then other ones are fine, but it's just it's like random ones is just taken and being like, no, we'll just call that. We'll just call that a dollar eleven. It couldn't yeah. just pick a one that's higher than people are trying. Well, then we might even actually get in trouble. So at least it's lower. I'd <laughs> yeah, rather it was the lower. lowest one. Yeah. Okay. I work in a store off the highway in Boring, Oregon, so I'm bored most of the time. So I emailed your show Where's a couple boring, years Oregon? ago. Oh, yeah, there is a board. I remember this guy's email. So I emailed your show a couple years ago. Didn't really say much. Didn't even think you would read it over the air. 
And I just mentioned how much I appreciate the show. I found it through Spotify and that I would soon send in an email about a Kundalini LSD yoga experience that I had. I never sent the email about the experience because I'm a stoner and I never get around to it. Kind of like why it took so long to donate. Anyways, the synchro part of it is that while I was typing this out and listening, this is to an older app, 245, you start reading out some trip reports. The guest is talking about some whippet experience first, then an LSD experience. Can you do whippets when you're clean? (laughs) I don't don't remember what a whippet is. It's when you suck the gas out of the whipped cream container. Yeah, it's like instant brain dead. Like, that's like, like you can feel like, your brain cells dying. Is that like Pam? We used to do Pam as kids. It would be, it would be sort of. You like take Wait, an aerosol take it to can, the next level. like whipped cream. Like you, you don't turn it upside down. You hold it up and you. Do you get the, the cream as well, or no? Don't you remember really. on Night in the Roxbury? He's like, it was up till four, and we were driving around till four in the morning looking for more. Oh my god! No, yeah. I don't remember that. Yeah. I was actually just listening to the Night at the Roxbury soundtrack with the kids on the weekend. Nice. That was great. What is love? <laughs> Baby, don't hurt. Oh, boy. All right. So speaking of tangents here. So yeah, don't do the, dude, the dude had put in some, some LSD in his eyes. So you guys went off on a little tangent. You said that people didn't need to do drugs to get into a spiritual place. And Darren said, no one is practicing meditation while on acid. Then he says he has heard of people taking acid and having kundalini experiences. So that's pretty wrong. Uh, pretty weird. He's he's writing this email about his Kundalini experience, and we're talking. How many times have we talked about acid and Kundalini experiences? Six. Once, maybe twice. Once. I might be wrong, but I haven't heard anyone else on your show having a psychedelic Kundalini experience. The f- so the fact that you guys got distracted and happened to mention the email I sent in a couple years ago at the same time that I was typing out a new email to you about a technical problem. I don't know. I thought it was kind of cool and worth explaining. That's pretty wild. Uh, that's what happens. It's just it's it's happening more frequently to everyone I know. It seems to be. Did I? Did you know? Did you know? See, that wasn't a point to you. Okay. Do you know what I mean? I didn't like, say I was anything. Just, but... I know, but I'm just saying. <laughs> I, I was. I've actually affected his fucking consciousness. Now I feel bad. I feel like a bully. Ten and a half years. That ago. was close. No, ten and a half years ago. <laughs> I uh, I found a journal that I was writing. And I was talking about synchronicities ten and a half years ago. Before we were isn't that like you found the journal ten and a half years ago, or you found the journal from ten and a half years ago? Uh, uh, yeah. How long have you been sober? Ten. It was from recovery. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have the journal still? Can you bring it in? Can we read it? It's it's just short notes and stuff. Let's read it. The block budget. There was a little synchro in there from that. What isn't was that it? Crazy. I was. I went my first day of Qigong in in the place. Yeah. I opened up Eckhart Tolle's New Earth to read it, and the first word I looked at was Qigong. So you're not paying attention. Qigong. That's, I don't know. That's because that's, that's Qigong's in your head. It's a book. It's full of, it's a full, a full book. I open it up. I look at the first word Qigong on the day that I had the first Was time it the I first word in the book? No, it was so like a random your spot. Picked it out because it was Qigong a random was spot. on your brain. Yeah, your brain is not wrong. I opened up the book and looked at it. And it was, Just probably a book. Eckhart Tolle, New Earth. How many times? Uh, can I? Uh, I'd like to know how many times Qigong. Once, it? probably. Huh. It was pretty hmm. profound. I wrote it down in my journal. I mean, well, you were drunk, probably. No, it wasn't. Or this was sober. Yeah. You read Eckhart Tolle sober in recovery. I read it 
actually it might have actually helped get me there because I was reading it before and during. It was weird. I, we gotta get our hands on this journal. <laughs> Never. <laughs> Is it in storage? No. <laughs> okay, here's the trip report. So I might as well explain the Kundalini experience I had. It was a couple of years ago and I was in one of those moods where I felt it was time for a psychedelic mental reset. I normally like mushrooms for this, but I couldn't find any, so I found some acid in the process. Oof, it's not the same. It was from a good friend, so I trusted the source. So I got a fair amount to experiment with a couple times. The first couple weekends, I was just trying to get a feel for this acid and see how I was going to feel on it. Its strength and how the body reacts and such. So I wanted to be able to, to notice any changes when I really went for it. Around the time I was doing this, I had listened to the Terrence McKenna episode, and it was really affecting me and how he talked about people having reverence when they smoke weed. Being a stoner, that is something I hadn't really done much before, but the idea is great. So I was trying to practice it as much as I could, and I still often, often do when I think of it. This mindset is something I was really trying to bring into the LSD experience, along with the idea of kundalini from one of your other guests. So after mentally and physically preparing myself for this final weekend, it was time. I started my night off by cleaning my space, my place, and making it into a trip-friendly atmosphere and preparing myself one area for yoga and one for smoking weed and paying tribute and one for sitting and meditating. Once it was all ready, I said a little prayer of intention in front of my Buddha and I took my acid. Then I started, then started to smoke weed and pay tribute for about 20 minutes until I started to feel the slightest tingling feeling or the slightest feeling of it coming on. Then I started the yoga. I put together a little routine to center myself without, without too much physical strain. And I did this for as long as I could, trying to focus on the thoughts of growth that I was going for. I'm not sure how long I did yoga, but I did till I started to forget what was next and started to get pretty high. Once I got to that point, I sat down and started to meditate. While I was meditating, I was focusing on my chakras as they went up, doing a little saying for each chakra and putting energy into each one. I did this for a little while, maybe 20 or 30 minutes, until I started to have the strongest sensation running up my spine and flowing out of the top of my head. It was really intense. And if I hadn't known what a Kundalini experience was, I would have been kind of weirded out from it. The feeling was great, like my whole body was vibrating and a hot electric snake wrapped around my spine. The strangest part of, of this was when the feeling went away, so did the LSD high. I was totally sober. I took the time, or I took the time when I first took the acid, it was about three hours. So, oh, so he, uh, he took the time and it, went, it lasted like three hours. So after this experience, it, it, was just, it was just gone. He says an acid trap, a trip normally lasts between 8 and 12 hours, depending on how clean and how strong it is. The previous times he tried that specific one, it lasted 8 hours one time and closer to 10 the next time. So the fact that my body processed it in such a short time amazed me. I feel like my body used the energy from the acid and burned it like gas during my Kundalini experience. Hmm. That's funny. I was kind of thinking the same thing. It's like it just like revved it up and hmm. processed it really fast or used it really <clears throat> fast and... Or, or maybe his body flushed it out even or something like that. I Could have know. been something like that. I don't know how you'd flush it out. Maybe. 
Who knows? Through the chakras in the spine. Or maybe it's bad acid. I've had many psychedelic experiences, and this is one of the most profound for me. Not just the feeling of my chakras and my body during the Kundalini, but the short-lived trip. I know the body builds a tolerance to acid, which is why I was taking two-week breaks between trips, so that's not why it was so short. Crazy experience. I'm curious if anyone else has had a similar one. I highly recommend the experience to people. Everyone who partakes should take some time to add reverence to their experiences, whether just smoking weed or psychedelics. Sorry this got so long. I'm stuck on boring, so I didn't have anything better to do. And how this all fit together was pretty cool. You guys are awesome. Good vibes from Sean and Oregon. I love Oregon. Um, yeah, I'm not a big acid guy. Prefer the mushroom. Would you try that? Try the yoga and the Kundalini meditation on mushrooms? Then, yeah, I got some fucking mushrooms in my pocket. What? Yeah, I picked some up today. Me and the wife. Is that a synchro? Nah. No. <laughs> <laughs> They're not in the room, actually. They're in my jacket pocket. Does that make you feel better? Yeah, it feels... Yeah. Oh, you, it feels weird just picking up illegal drugs and talking about on the show. Oh. Fuck them. Okay, they shouldn't be. Nobody's listening. By the time the, by the, time the cops catch on, they won't be in my pocket. <laughs> so there you have it. Thanks for the email. That's awesome. Yeah. I think hmm. it's a good, it's interesting, good thing to try. Um, I'd be curious to hear if there's any uh, sort of precedent. Yeah. I heard you can sing yourself out of a trip. Orange juice. Never heard of Kundalini. Sing yourself out of a trip, really? Yeah. Out of a bad trip. I think you still end up just, then you end up just sort of laughing it off. I was uh, talking at my seaside. I was listening to. People at the Missy said he or five uh, meeting there the other night, and they were what talking. Celia's mom talk was about talking about, and Celia's mom was talking about um, resonating overtoning, and how when they were in that they went to the dark restaurant, dark table restaurant. Have you guys ever heard about that? It's is that is that in town? Yeah, it's completely dark. I didn't know there was one of those in Calgary. I've heard of those. So it's dark, and they feed you, right? Yeah. What do they feed you? I don't know what kind of food, Veg- vegetarian food. Are seriously, no know. meat, cat. <clears throat> Anyways, um, people don't actually eat cats. There's not enough meat on them. Really? Thank God. Yeah, I lived in China for a year and a half. Nobody eats cats. Thank God. What about dogs? Dogs, yes. There's <laughs> stew dogs. There's like a breed of dogs that are oh. they're chickens. They're called stew dogs. So, anyways, let's see. this is like. Oh. <laughs> Grandma's day is just ruined. <laughs> so, Celia's mom was overtoning, and uh, she created a. F- I think this created a flash. Uh, a tulpa. A flash of light, like a couple flashes of light on uh, Celia's son's shoes, and it's it's really interesting because there's other stories about a whole bunch of people toning, and they lit up this pyramid in Mexico, like physically lit it up from sound. <laughs> Any video evidence of this <laughs> lit up pyramid, sound lit up pyramid? Probably. I just it's I think it's the first time I've heard about the the light. I mean I think I think we've talked about that in the in the Great Pyramid as well, possibly creating light through sound, but it's fucking fascinating. Uh 
yeah, I don't know. That's all new to me. I don't. I don't recall. I remember making light out of semen somehow. Yeah, that's the one. The electric uh, Egyptians. I was talking about our, that episode that that night. Big difference between With, sound uh, James, and semen. Was that James Brown or? Um, You're listening to James Brown. The electric uh, Egyptians and how Getting they your they, semen together. Isn't James Brown that like sexy to song singer? Sexy song singer? Is that what you're trying like to say? Like makeout music? Uh, not really. I don't know. James no? Brown was the king of soul. He was like the I feel good guy. Oh. Yeah, he smoked a, <laughs> he smoked a lot of meth. <laughs> like a lot of meth. <laughs> or no, it, no, it was PCP. Sorry. He smoked a lot of PCP. <laughs> Everything is a tangent tonight. Just... But you're right. That was part of this the electric Egyptian thing, right? Yeah, static electricity and and uh, what episode number is that? I'm looking it up. I don't know if it'll come up from a quick search. James Brown. What number? James Ernest Brown. One eighty. Number one eighty. Oh, oh, that's why did one? <laughs> Our numbering system is so accurate; we don't even know what number it is. I've got one eighty here on, on my search. One eighty is Grammarica talks electricity in ancient Egypt and more with James Brown, and one seventy nine is Grammarica talks the pyramid code and matriarchs. Was that Car? Well, that was yeah, Carmen, Carmen Bolter. Bolter. Yeah. Wow, that's a long time ago already. Yeah. I'll put a link to that in the show notes with James Brown. Yeah, that was fascinating. It really does look like the hieroglyphs are talking about electricity as opposed to all this other stuff that the mainstream Egyptologists want us to think. That was a fun episode. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good one. Sparking up the sperm. That's right. Yeah. Sound sperm. I wonder. We should put some, some of your, get some of your sperm together. We'll put it on a drum. Or in, fill your bowl up, your Tibetan bowl, just a little. Get it going. See what happens. See what happens. Not in the studio. Do it at home. And do, <laughs> do what with it? Just watch it? Videotape it? See, light it up? Light it up, yeah, fire. Yeah, right. I don't know. Okay. You're a little old to be having kids. I'll do it on my sit when I do my sit. Maybe that's like, maybe that'd be a good way if you're having trouble getting pregnant. Yeah, yeah. A little it's semen in the Tibetan bowl. Wah, 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 wah. Fired in. Away you go. Fired in how? Yeah. I don't Turn know. I don't know. Syringe? <laughs> the only logical way is a turkey baster. Mouth? There's <laughs> 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 word for that. Anyway, support the show. Oh, we found yeah. a plate. We're moving in. I got the UFO quotes to do still too, and I really and apologize. Want to apologize to you guys? I found a bunch of extra ones down there. That's all right. I was doing what? Was I doing quotes? On, I'll tell on, you what. Once we move into the new place, we'll have our bookshelf up, well, the books, and we'll have the. Uh, oh, I missed the bookshelf. We can have all the books in the bookshelf, and then we'll, and then we'll do quotes from the books. The bookshelf, especially the dump, especially the. Uh, so we're gonna have to get a new bookshelf. We need a little bit of furniture, it's especially a lot more the space. Charlie Robinson book. Yeah. All right. Darren and Graham going deep. It's a profound UFO quote of the week. 
Words to ponder and critique It's a profound UFO quote of the week That's a weird one. I was arrested by an Air Force officer. He was saying, do you like the Constitution? I'm like, yeah. He said, we don't obey. We just do what we want. And if you tell anybody about us or the UFOs, you will just come up missing. And that was Corporal Jonathan Wigant from the Marine Corps. Threatening people? Yeah. You want to do it alone? That's like the man in black kind of thing. Oh, here's a, here's a good one from Muhammad Ali. Oh, there we go. If you look into the sky... Float like a butterfly, sting the, like a bee. In the early morning, you see them playing tag between the stars. That was from Muhammad Ali, who's witnessed UFOs on at least two occasions. So that's like what you talk about, right? Uh, Yeah, maybe. Sure. It could be construed that way. One more? No, my turn now. Okay. Okay, you ready? <laughs> no generation has had the opportunity as we have now to build a global economy that leaves no one behind. It is a wonderful opportunity, but also a profound responsibility. <laughs> Got it again. Quote or ah. Or, uh, what year was that from? Doesn't say, just says former U.S. President Bill Clinton. Now, was it so? Was it the quote or was it the imitation that gave it away? Uh, both again. Clinton's tough one. That was good. He seems no, like he'd good. be easier. You did good. Yeah, one. no, you did good. I didn't know you're such a good. Uh, I still feel like Huxley was the best. Huxley? Yeah. Nobody knows what he sounds like. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> What else you got? Nothing, man. Oh, yeah. So yeah, we, we should gotta, we gotta so, talk about CACs. Yes. We're going to uh contacted the cabin in May with Randall Carlson for like ten days. There's still lots of spots open. Uh and uh there's rooms and tent spots and yeah, everything's all, all included except for dinner, but breakfast and lunch is included. Trips yeah. and speaking times with Randall, transportation. Live yeah, you're gonna get to hang out with Randall. You get to hang out with us. We're gonna go do some fireside chatting. We're gonna go tour some stuff and get some presentations from Randall. Uh, we got to the weekend of May 17th to 20th. Week May 20th to 23rd. That's during the week May 23rd to 27th. That last weekend's pretty well full. You got to get in that motherfucker now. Uh, that's CAC 2019 at hdtravel.me to book. Um, our, our long weekend is the last weekend in Canada, the May long weekend. The first one, and the oh, is it? And for the states people, it's the last. Oh, one. Oh, that's cool. See, it's first come, first serve. Arrivals are responsible for their own dinner. Each group participates in uh, guaranteed one tour and one talk. Uh, we're going to do some live podcasting and stuff as well. Graham said he's going to do some sea setting. We're right by the Four Corners. I want to rip down at one point down into the desert and check. Well, that we're out. still a couple hours from the Four Corners, technically. There. So, so you're there for it. 10 days. You'll have plenty of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying. It's not like we can just go there in 15 minutes. So I mean, you get your breakfast, drive, but it's still you get your lunches, there. get your own dinner, buy your food, whatever the fuck you want to do. Um, <laughs> you can get a single bedroom, 750 Additional person in that bedroom, another 500 Mine it because we have to subtract a tent space because it is only 25 person 
uh, cap per event. Um, so yeah, you don't want to get that right away. I mean, I haven't checked in a couple weeks now, but I, I'm guessing, you know, we're over 30% sold and now we're into, you know, like I was talking to Micah Hanks the other day. So, you know, we're getting ready to expand this. So, um, for Americans get in there, get in there if you can, at least get your deposit down right away and get your shit booked and get your spot booked. Because once we start, uh, mention this to the Grailian audience and maybe the THC audience, something tells me it's going to, it's going to oh, disappear that's a good quick. Point. That's a good point actually. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like we're, yeah, it's going to go. We got the like smallest audience out of the bunch. So, you know, you guys get the first kick at the can for these things, but you know, yeah. I was, I'm already getting prepared to go talk to Micah and talk to, because I mean, we got to sell this thing. So I'd rather see this thing sold out and less of a stress yeah, than yeah, worry totally. about Totally. We do have tons of time left, and uh, and but believe us, we've hung out with Randall before, and it's an amazing conversation, and he's a great guy to chill with and chat with. Yeah, we'll have him on, a show, on the show here again in the yeah. new year. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, we got that coming up. Check it out. Like I say, you email Alan, Minister of Travel, over at CAC2019 at hdtravel.me. Do it today. And, of course, support the show. Uh, we got some good news. Uh, we are, are able to move into our space a little earlier than anticipated. So I'm actually going on Saturday to pick up the key. We'll probably move in, uh, just after the holidays, probably. Yeah. I think we've got it slated for that weekend of like January 5th, 6th or whatever that weekend is. We're going to move into the new space and, uh, yeah, exciting times. Of course that does mean we've got new bill all of a sudden now we've got a rent bill to pay every month um it's a great deal but still, it's a great it's a, deal but it's still you know it's you know hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars that we're not putting out right now yeah. that we have to start putting out and it's what we want to do it's a it's a cool space yeah it's, it's it really it's fits our ton of space it's our thing and, and we can help other people podcast there as well we're going to start doing that i think It'll be yeah really good. we have we have more of a ability now to Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, it gives us the option to host some events maybe, you know, who knows? It gives us the option to do a lot of stuff we can't do in a one room operation. Um, you know, we were in the garage before, which was basically a smaller room. Now we're in a slightly bigger room, thanks to Brody. But now all of a sudden going into a real space is going to be something else. We'll have a space outside of the studio to like hang around or like yeah. make a coffee or yeah. go to the bathroom. Yeah. Eat dinner yeah we'll have to get a fridge no you'll leave stuff in it won't you i won't leave stuff in the fridge no way no no that's not you that no. does that no okay it's not me that does that okay no. i don't i just throw it out i'll just throw i don't think about out. fucking leaving food i hate it i don't i just throw stuff out because i just don't eat leftovers certain things spaghetti i really like leftover spaghetti less leftover farmer sausage also excellent yeah i won't do leftover steak some things I find are better left over, strangely, but certain things you see, you gotta get through it the first time. But anyway, long story short, um, you know, we just went from any sort of, any sort of buffer we thought we had on our expenses with our support is fucking out the window. Uh, we're back to running tight. Yeah. So that means if we have a bad month, we might have to go into pocket. We'd rather not see that start to happen. Uh, so yes, it's a good time, good a time as ever to sign up for a monthly. Um, 
like we said, we had the last month, we had PayPal subscriptions dropping off at an unprecedented rate. I email the people as it comes. I, I still think it's got something to do with whatever triggered us, maybe triggered some other people that don't check that email. Because a lot of times when I get the email, I'll, I'll email them. Like I would say like 10% of the time, I'll get, it'll be undeliverable. So the person's using a PayPal account with an email that I can't email them on. So that means if PayPal's frozen them or something like that. I don't know if that's got something to do with it. I know that it was right after we had our problems with PayPal, then we had a a, a rash of uh, payments not go through in Canada. Yeah, that's, so. that's weird. That, yeah, it is, it is, yeah, it's weird looking back now. And then we're we having thought, the button problems. We thought everything was and, all figured out and fixed. But I mean, some of those check people, your subscription. Some of those people might just be boycotting PayPal in a way as well. That's well, it. So that's why we don't put up the Stripe options. Yeah, we put up the Stripe options and there's pay, Patreon as well, right? Yeah, we figured out a way to do the script. I mean, Patreon is in a lot of ways the worst option just because they take in a tremendous cut. Like it's like between 20 and 25%, I'm pretty sure. That's what it seems like. I haven't actually divided the numbers. I'm just looking by in versus no, payoutable. Pretty good. Pretty good for percentages yeah so when i compare that to what stripe and even paypal are doing it's like you know a, a fifth five times the transaction fee yeah so i mean paypal and stripe i mean stripes over at grandamerica.ca slash stripe it'll redirect you to a different website that's just because there's problems we're lining up the paypal and stripe on the same site so it's grandamerica.ca slash stripe bring over to stripe it's got i think 10 different monthly options 10 different annual options and a one-time donation option uh, the gram- and, and any donation will get you the black budget feed. Yeah, grandamerica.ca. Of course, you've still got the one-time donation button down at the bottom of the website, grandamerica.ca slash support. You can enter custom amount for an annual amount or a custom amount for a monthly amount. Yeah, do that now. Really would help. We're going into, uh, you know, the next, we're take, trying to take the next step here into getting a space, getting out of Brody's, getting, uh, you know, just moving on up, I guess, yeah. as much as we can and get this show on the road. Um, but we could use some more support. We really could. We've kind of hit the wall here of what we can do for a while here with the support level we got with this. So yeah. support the show if you can, when you can. We really do appreciate it. It really does help. And uh, and, yeah. well, and like it's, it is a value for value model, right? I mean, yeah, that's we, right. We do, you know, pretty much Three, any- This is the 320th episode. They average about two hours long. But all the interviews are at least an hour. So there's at least, you know, I, you could say there's at least 400 hours of interviews out there. So, I mean, I think there's a little value there. If you've listened to all those, probably time to sign up for a monthly. So back, I mean, 600 hours, you think? 700? Maybe even 800? Jesus, that's a lot. It's too much. Yeah, we don't want to go we with start ads. Season and, two. We don't want to go with ads and when sponsors do we start and all season stuff. Two? Like, we really should would we start rather, season you know, two at 500? You know what? Because sure, because the goal is actually to get off of all this infrastructure that we're that we need. Right? Yeah, we were I talking mean, about that today. It'd be I mean, it'd be nice to be able to do our own hosting and do all that, yeah, so we're not worried about because we're gonna keep doing this for a while. It's fun. And yeah, that's right. And I mean, not only that, you get the black budget feed, which is sort of morphing into its own little sort of thing. It's kind of the spot where we've decided we can say whatever the fuck we want, and we don't have to worry about fucking around with our support streams or our platform we don't have to worry about getting deplatformed because you know it's behind the paywall so we don't have to worry about it back there so we're jump, dumping a lot more content into there than we have been historically we're trying to get at least two a month yeah it or, might slow down a bit with the move coming up again cause yeah because it slowed yeah. down with the past move into brody's place here yeah but now that we've got uh 
the spoken word stuff we're doing that, that that's a little easier to churn out when you need to. We can do that sort of one at a time. We don't have to be yeah. together. We don't have to work with well, interviews. We, will, we, and, will, we are going to be together for it, though. That's right. That's but we don't have to interview someone. That's right. Yeah. Which is another moving part. You have to schedule yeah. them. So. Yeah. So, yeah, more content there. I think we're up to 35 episodes back there now. Another one coming out. Another one or two will come out this week. So we're almost up to 40 episodes there. Check it out, grammarica.ca slash support, grammarica.ca slash stripe. Get that shit going today. Uh, what else you got? That's it. That's it. That's it. All right, guys. Enjoy the chat. Louis Proud, friend of the show. He's actually going to come back on probably end of February sometime, and we're going to go all fucking moon anomalies. This guy wrote the book on moon anomalies. Oh, yeah, we should do that. Yeah, sure. we're going to do that for yeah. sure. Yeah. I wonder what he thinks about the fake moon thing. Anyway, we'll get into that with us next week. Or not next week, sorry, next year. Look, this is only, so this is going to come out on the 14th. There's only one more episode before, after this till Christmas. Yeah. Are we going to do a show that week on the 29th? Uh, I don't know. We got to figure that out. We, we need to, we need to pre-record some stuff because you're going away to home. You're going home, right? To back, You're going back east. I'm going back east. Yeah. Heading back east. See, so you say it like you, you know what that means. I do. You gave me a very good definition. Back east is most of the way east, but not all the way east. <laughs> all right, guys. Enjoy the chat with Lewis Proud. It's a gooder. It's going to be an exciting episode. We've got all the way from Australia, actually Tasmania, Louis Proud with us. He's a writer and a researcher specializing in Fortean or anomalous phenomena. I'm going to I'm going to read the titles of his last few books just because it really gives us an idea of the breadth of uh, research he's been doing. Uh, Dark yes. Intrusions: An Investigation into the Paranormal Nature of Sleep and Sleep Paralysis. Uh, the Secret Influence of the Moon, Alien Origins and Occult Powers, Strange Electromagnetic Dimensions, The Science of the of the Unexplainable, in that book. And then uh, he's got a new book coming out. It's uh, going to be called Borderland Phenomena. Volume 1 will be Spontaneous Combustion, Poltergeistry, and Anomalous Light. So there's lots for us to talk about here. Especially interesting um, is the Strange Electromagnetic dimensions that was um you know his previous book and it kind of overlaps into his new book so i don't want to keep rambling here well, uh, thanks for coming on louis oh thanks for having me on the show yeah really uh interested when i was watching your videos and um reading some of your uh your books there it's uh i don't even know where to begin because it's um 
I got a lot of questions about, you know, the electromagnetic dimensions. If you don't mind uh, starting there, maybe before we get into your new book, or, you know, we could even start a little bit further than further back than that. I mean, you take, from what I know, you take a pretty scientific approach to the paranormal. So you're not really afraid to, to hit it with science, but then also keep an open mind there for something that's still unexplainable. Do you want to get start start with that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, look, I mean, I, I, I do take a fairly scientific approach um, to, you know, investigating or exploring these sorts of subjects. Um, and I always like to sort of base it in the in the natural world. Um, I suppose that's that's really my perspective on this. I, I, I don't like the term supernatural, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that all of these things are part of the natural world. Um, science just hasn't got around to understanding them yet. So that's really the way I kind of look at it. And, um, you know, I mean, the same was the UFO phenomenon too. I, 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 I'm sort of I'm very skeptical of the uh, extraterrestrial hypothesis, for example. I'm, I sort of go more for the earth lights, ball lightning angle uh, when, it, when it comes to UFOs. Um, so, yeah, that's, that really sort of sums up my perspective uh, or my approach to looking at these sorts of topics. Mm-hmm. So how did you become interested in it? Um, yeah, look, I, I think it's partly due to um, my childhood because I, I grew up in a fairly remote area. I actually spent a, a large part of my childhood in Tassie, uh, in Tasmania, sorry. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, we, we lived, um, I suppose, very, you know, fairly close to nature. Um, you know, we, we didn't really sort of watch television much. Um, and, um, you know, I, I feel that... Um, if you really want to connect to these sorts of things, um, you know, you've got to have that sort of connection to nature, I suppose. Uh, and, you know, these sorts of experiences do tend to occur in, in, in sort of natural settings. Um, you know, think of uh, Whitley Strieber, for example, how a lot of his so-called abduction experiences occurred, uh, you know, in that remote cabin, um, for example. So, and, you know, the, you hear stories of, um, you know, a lot of these uh contact experiences or UFO experiences happening, you know, in, 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 in the desert, for example, that kind of thing. So, so I think that really helped, um, sort of, um, made me more aware of, of, of the paranormal, I suppose, because it's a very subtle sort of elusive thing. Um, and it only manifests under very special conditions. Um, but also in my late teens, early twenties, I had quite a few sleep paralysis experiences as well. Uh, and I'm sure most people are familiar with what sleep paralysis is. Most people have experienced it. Um, but in my case, it was uh, these were very frequent episodes. And um, you know, so what happens is you is you're in a sort of um, you know mind awake body asleep state. it's it's a twilight state of consciousness. It's um associated with hypnagogia mm-hmm. or the hypnagogic state. Um, and uh, all sorts of strange experiences can, can occur. So basically your body is paralyzed because it's normally paralyzed during REM sleep to you know, prevent you from acting out your dreams. Uh, and people often report some um, very similar experiences. It can be that there'll usually be a, like a heavy weight on your chest. Um, sometimes there'll be, uh, you know, voices will be heard. There's usually a sense presence. Um, and uh, no doubt there's, you know, some of these experiences can be, 
explained, um, you know, just sort of physiologically. Um, but there's some very weird aspects to sleep paralysis, which sort of seem to suggest that um, there could be something paranormal happening. Um, and I wrote a book about it called Dark Intrusions, and I, I sort of place sleep paralysis in a sort of, you know, in the broader paranormal context to try and understand, uh, you know, what I'd been through. And I, I found that there's all these remarkable connections between, you know, sleep paralysis and mediumship and ufology, et cetera. Um, and, um, yeah, so so that, that certainly um, opened my eyes to, you know, this all this weird stuff, if you like. Um, can, can you, can they were you very dig, transformative experiences. Yeah, no doubt. Can you dig into hmm. that a little bit? I know a couple of people that have that, that problem yeah. and, and, you know, and it, and it, uh, it manifests as like incubus or succubus encounters, which can be quite terrifying. But can you, yep. can you sort of dig into a little bit about how you separate out, like how you can, um, you know, how it's not just such a physical explanation for that. You know, it's not just strictly like you're paralyzed or there is a different, uh, d dimension to that. Yeah. Yep. Well, you've got to realize first of all, that, um, everyone's sleep paralysis experiences is a, a different, um, some people only experience a very sort of mild form of sleep paralysis. There is no sense presence. There are no so-called hallucinations. Other people have much more consistent, um, I suppose, um, experiences uh, where there's a lot more going on. And this can include, um, uh, yeah, as I said, like a sense presence. You do feel as though there's an entity in the room with you. Um, and sometimes you can be attacked and that sort of things. I mean, you'll feel... Um, sensations on your body it's uh, sometimes like a pair of hands around your neck for example or uh, or something like that there's also another thing where um uh, you know sometimes it feels as though the the entity or so-called entity is actually shaking the bed rocking it back and forth and you know we find that kind of thing in in sort of haunted house type cases and that sort of thing so a lot of places that are considered haunted people have these types of experiences uh, whenever they enter those locations you know so or they, at least they're more more likely to occur um, don't happen to everyone of course you've got to be i suppose a little bit open to that sort of experience um but yeah also the the voices are very peculiar as well i mean you'll hear like a, a voice externally um and uh, usually the, the comments are, are quite sort of cryptic quite disturbing um so there's that really sort of terrifying aspect where people do feel as though they're um I don't know, battling with demons or evil spirits and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, but the weird thing is that, you know, it's sleep paralysis is considered, you know, these experiences are considered hallucinations and, you know, hallucinations that arise from REM sleep. And so according to that explanation, pretty much anything should happen uh, during sleep paralysis. Um, and yet a lot of people describe the same sorts of things, um, such as the rocking bed sensation and that kind of thing um you know cryptic comments um heard in, in in someone's ear or sometimes directly inside your your head if you like um and also yeah the sensations of being touched a lot of people talk about um being strangled and that kind of thing um so it's some very very uh it, the thing is you really need to experience it directly in order to be able to fully understand or appreciate um you know the complexity of the experience, I suppose. And, and a lot of people have just had very mild sleep paralysis experiences without any so-called hallucinations will say, oh, there's nothing going on, you know. But those people have experienced it repeatedly. 
um, and have had the more sort of violent uh, sleep paralysis episodes would say that there's definitely something that can't be explained, you know, um, as, as being purely f- physiological. There's some other component at work. Did you come across any physical evidence from people getting, you know, either beat up or attacked you know, at night? Was there any any evidence of that? Um, look, like bruising. I mean, I mean, I know it's hard to prove, yep. but was there yep. any of that? Well, the the thing is that some of these same types of experiences um, can occur, as I said, in in, in so called haunted houses, and also they can accompany, uh, you know, um, poltergeist, poltergeist yeah. uh, type incidents as well. You know, so people who, um, uh, you know, like particularly the the so called poltergeist um, focus. Um, because poltergeists, of course, occur around a living person. Um, and uh, as we know, poltergeist is German for, for noisy or boisterous spirit. Um, so these people often do report um, having these quite uh, violent sleep paralysis episodes uh, and also witnessing some very strange activity uh, that obviously does have a, an external component, um, you know, objects being thrown around the house and that kind of thing. Um, so they certainly tie together, or well, they're quite closely associated. Mm. So I'd say that that's that's really where the the physical evidence is. Um, so maybe in some cases sleep paralysis ep- episodes are only internal. Maybe in other cases the whatever is happening is externalized in some fashion, right, uh, whereby right. you know there is that physical component, objects being thrown around, yeah. loud noises, etc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. Yeah, it's fascinating. So then you ended up um, doing your research on the electromagnetic phenomena, and was there any connection yep. there between, you know, like that type of experience, like let's just call it poltergeist, uh, even though it might be uh, sleep paralysis as well, but let's call it that, the sixth sense that we sort of have uh, in our being yep. and, and the electromagnetic thing? Like is there some commonality there between those? Right. Well, first of all, it's 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 a very complex area, um, very multifaceted, and um, I mean, there was only so much I could cover in my book, Strange Electromagnetic Dimensions. But the reason I wrote that book was to um, because there is always an elect- electromagnetic component to to the paranormal. Um, I mean, we see this in the case of of poltergeist disturbances where there are electromagnetic anomalies and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and 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 also, I mean, this is. I'm probably going off on a bit of a tangent That's here, okay. but um, you know the uh, poltergeist agents uh, or, or the focus. Um, uh, often, those people report having um, a large build-up of static on their bodies. For example, they seem to generate an unusually large amount of static electricity. Um, some of these people do report also um, having suffered like a, a, an electric shock. Um, or in some rare cases, they claim to have been struck by lightning and that sort of thing. We find that in the case of a lot of uh, psychics as well. Um, Yuri Geller, for example, when he was a child, he claims that uh, he uh, was basically fooling around with his mum's sewing machine and he saw like a, a, a bright blue spark inside and he put his finger in and he was thrown violently backwards. And after that, he developed, you know, his psychic abilities, which include, you know, being able to supposedly, uh, you know, bend cutlery by paranormal means and that sort of thing. So it is a very broad area, but, um, uh, but yeah, certainly, uh, I suppose if you want to narrow it down, um, 
there's, as I said, a lot of these people have, have, have experienced electric shock, mediums, poltergeist agents, because they do sort of, they are very closely related, of course. Um, so that seems to almost kind of induce the the phenomena, I suppose. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm probably sort of, I'm trying to cover too much here in, in the one question. Yeah, uh, I kind of sort of narrow it down a little bit. Yeah, well, let's, let's get <laughs> yeah. into the sixth sense part then, the mag... You know, yep. there is, yep. I heard you talk about um, the magnetite, which I don't know if people realize that there is that in our, in our brains, yep. I guess, right? Is that uh, somewhat responsible for some of this? Yeah, look, I mean, that's, um, certainly they've, because first of all, the ability is called magnetoception, um, and it's the ability to detect a magnetic field, or the Earth's magnetic field in this case, and use it for navigational purposes. Um, and a lot of animals have this this ability. I mean, um, oh, you know, homing pigeons, for example, um, mole rats, and um, you know, turtles, etc. Uh, it's even been found in bacteria. And we know that this obviously there is some kind of mechanism in in, in the body that that allows this to happen. This ability to sense uh, a magnetic field. Uh, and uh, and they've they've done a lot of research on this. Scientists they've discovered that. Um, um, you know that these these animals that that have this ability they they have particles of magnetite uh, you know in their bodies um, and uh, you know some research has been done into this um, regarding human magnetoception um, I mean there have been experiments where um, there was a British biologist Robin Baker who who uh, did all these experiments in the seventies he uh, placed school children on buses uh, blindfolded them. And he'd take them on these long winding trips through the countryside. They couldn't see any light or, you know, any other external cues, etc. Uh, and then he'd um, so he'd go out to a remote location. He'd he'd tell them to step off the bus, uh, and then he'd get them to point in the direction of home with the the blindfold still on. And he discovered remarkably that a lot of these children were able to point in the direction of home, uh, but yet when he removed the blindfold, they became completely disoriented. Um, and they confused and they didn't know which direction home was. Um, so he came up with the theory that, that we do have this ability. Um, it's a subconscious ability, um, and that we probably, uh, it would have been of benefit to how hunter-gatherer ancestors. So they would have made use of this ability to, you know, to find their way around and, and basically it would have been for survival purposes. Um, but you know, it, it makes sense that since the emergence of civilization and, and you know towns and cities etc remaining towers. in one place yeah that's true yes yep interference from from artificial sources of electromagnetism because you're basically um, could interfere with this ability yeah you're basically yep. talking about the same thing that's letting you know whales find their way around the planet and migrate and mm. you know birds yep. are flying north and south so we got little yep. fucking magnets in our skin or in our brain is is that what's happening there? Basically, we got a magnetic particle inside our body. Well, look, as I said, the 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 evidence um the evidence isn't conclusive, and I mean there have been studies where they've um they have actually sort of taken apart uh, human brain tissue that they've tried to find these particles of magnetite, um, and they have actually um, you know there is evidence that these these particles do exist in 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 human brain tissue. Um, uh, but once again, you've got to realize that um, 
that the fact that these particles might exist is is not something that um, I suppose the authorities, if you like, would want to acknowledge simply because it suggests that not only are we um, being affected by the Earth's magnetic field, um, but also, you know, artificial sources of electromagnetism. So it sort of indicates or um, I suppose opens up the possibility that um, that we may be adversely affected by, you know, artificial electromagnetic fields. So a lot of this research, I wouldn't say it's necessarily been suppressed, um, but it hasn't been given a lot of attention. And the people who've done this kind of research, they've, they've received a lot of criticism, et cetera. In the case of Robin Baker, for example, he did you know, many, many experiments. And I think his evidence is quite strong that humans can sense the Earth's magnetic field. Um, but, you know, uh, he, he stopped doing that research. He, he, he just found that um, he wasn't getting anywhere. People weren't listening, you know, so. There's no money yeah. in telling people to get rid of their cell phones or their televisions, I'll tell you that. Yeah, exactly, exactly, yep, yep. Um, so, but, yeah, it is. So yep. if we're talking about the, I mean, I got to say, when I see things like, you know, that we've got this, the, the idea of having a magnetic particle inside us for the purpose yeah. of migration and things like that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, when mm. I start thinking about magnets and as being possible for the sixth sense or, or um, yeah. things like that, it makes me go back to, makes me think simulation again. I mean, it's hard not right. to think simulation when the, electromagnetism starts affecting things like that, that we're not in some sort of computer that, you know, I don't know. Is that off base, do you think, or? Um, oh, look, I, I don't, uh, well, yeah, the simulation hypothesis, I haven't really looked into that much, to be honest. Um, but I, I suppose the way I see it is, um, you know, it just makes sense that we would, we would have these particles of magnetite in the body um, simply because, um, well, like other animals do, and it's it's how that we remain, um, I suppose, tuned to the Earth's um, electromagnetic field, um, you know, Schumann reson resonance signals and that kind of thing. I mean, we were we evolved in the presence of the Earth's magnetic field, um, so of course we're going to be tuned to that field. And um, and I mean, they have done experiments too in in circadian rhythms. Um, you know, it's it's a known fact that, of course, um, uh, you know, if, if if you're not exposed to any light, if you're kept, say, in an underground bunker, uh, you can circadian rhythms are going to, um, you know, slip out of phase basically um, with the the light dark cycle. Does it um, does that found... happen at like a scheduled rate? Like, if you have an old watch that loses like three minutes a day, does does your circadian rhythm lose any set amount of day? Like, how long does it take before you're completely fucking backwards from the rest of the planet? You're up, it's dark, you're going to sleep just as the sun's yeah. coming up, you're fucked. Yeah. Does that take yeah, like a week, do you think, or is it, is it random, or does it take, I wonder how that works, I'm curious now, we should throw Graham in something. Not specifically, I'm not sure specifically how long it takes. Um, I know that these experiments have been done over um, quite lengthy periods, so uh, many, many months, for example. I'd say it does, it is a gradual process. Um I did read too that it um, so instead of being a, like a twenty four hour cycle, it sort of it lengthens. It becomes like around twenty five hours, that kind of thing. Uh, these biological cycles um, in the body. Um, so, but the the point I wanted to come to there was the fact that um, the Earth's magnetic field plays a role in this. I mean, it's known that um, if a person is completely shielded from the Earth's magnetic field, 
um, that, that this is more likely to occur, that their circadian rhythms are going to um, slip out of phase. Um, and uh, and they have found, too, that if they introduce a, a, a magnetic field or electric field uh, of around 10 hertz, uh, that that actually can restore a person's circadian rhythm. So, oh, wow. yeah, so... Um, you know, so certainly that's that's one um, aspect of. I mean, we're we're tuned to the light dark cycle. We're tuned to the Earth's magnetic field. All of these things are, um, you know, enabling us to to our bodies to function. Um, you know, in in a particular way, uh, and uh, we're not exposed to these things. Well, uh, we we become completely out of tune with the Earth, and uh, you know, it can affect our health, etc. You know. Yeah, you mentioned quite a bit about uh, the circadian rhythms being off, affecting your health. Like the the sleep, yeah. the sleep problem really affects our health. But then there's also the artificial electromagnetic yeah. fields, like the power lines. And I don't, I don't know if you know if five G is included in there somewhere. But do you, do you see evidence of a negative impact on our health and well being from those? Um, sorry, what what was that thing that you mentioned just there? I, I do apologize. The five G. Oh, okay. and, your, and the power right. lines and the uh, and the, and yeah. the circadian rhythms. Like it, it seems like that would all yeah. be connected at some point. Yeah. Look, I mean, they've they've done a lot of studies in this. Um, so the the it seems to be um, it, it certainly ties into the the pineal gland, um, which of course produces melatonin. Um, so they have to found that uh, when a person is um, uh, you know exposed to certain kinds of artificial electromagnetic fields um, that it can actually interfere with pr the production of melatonin. Uh, basically, it seems to suppress the production of melatonin. And then what happens, of course, is that person's sleep-wake cycle, um, you know, sort of is, is interfered with. Um, and then, of course, um, that can affect the immune system uh, and, and they'll be more likely to, to get ill of course. So they have done quite a few uh, studies into this. And it's even been discovered too that um, uh, the, the, the Earth's magnetic field or during times when the Earth's magnetic field is disturbed, um, you know, solar storms, et cetera, mm -hmm. um, that can actually uh, contribute to this. It can, it can sort of, um, well, it can, suppresses the production of melatonin. And there's actually a link too between geomagnet, geomagnetic disturbances and um, and uh, and suicide rates as too. Suicide rates actually peak when the around those times as well. So you know, because people uh, can't has, sleep. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yep, yep. That'll do it. So mm. I wonder what like I was with a friend of mine this morning for coffee, and he was talking about how one of his uh, one of the guys that he used to train was a lecturer. I think he was a electrical engineer or something. But he came he came down with ALS, and then within nine months he was. Uh, really really bad i mean have you seen any specific um health issues around um some of this like something like als that would affect your nervous system and 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 why do some people why do some people why are some people uh sensitive to this and others aren't yeah well that's that's a very good question um I wouldn't be able to answer that question why some people are more sensitive than others. Um, but I think that that makes sense that some people would be more sensitive than others. Um, I mean, there is a, uh, there is a condition called um, electromagnetic hypersensitivity, which is, mm -hmm. which is a very controversial uh, condition. <laughs> uh, and these are people who say that they, um, 
you know, that they're basically allergic to, to artificial sources of electromagnetism, uh, that they can develop rashes on their body and they feel very, very sick. They, um, they lose the ability to concentrate. They can get headaches, et cetera. Um, uh, you know, and, and, and there has been some research into this to try and work out whether or not it's, um, uh, you know, it's really all in their minds or if there is actually a genuine um, allergic response occurring in the body. Um, and there is some evidence that it is a, a genuine allergic response similar to other types of allergic reactions. Um, so, yeah, it seems as though some people are just more sensitive than others. Um, I mean, they're, they're, I suppose you've got to allow for, um, you know, mental health issues and that sort of thing. Um, but we we need to realize, too, that this is all, you know, that we're very much the guinea pigs in all this. I mean, this um, the widespread use of electricity the use of electricity on a large scale, it's only really been going on for about 80 years. Yeah. So it's a very recent thing yeah. in the history of humanity. Yeah, good point. Um, Throw in a little Wi-Fi, sprinkle a little Wi-Fi on. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's it. I mean, some uh, <laughs> cell signals, we'll throw in some radio signals, some satellite yeah. signals, we'll throw us some fucking sprinkle some brake dust on there. <laughs> the exactly, yeah. Um, I mean, you, you mentioned 5G before too, which is... Is another thing that's um, that's being rolled out, um, and these are much smaller waves than microwaves, too. You know, like millimeter-sized waves. So, uh, and they're going to so be. Just so people know, you know, microwaves are what you use to microwave things in your microwave. <laughs> well, the, the, yeah, yeah. Look, see, the the, the thing is, with a microwave oven, it's it's like high-intensity um, microwave radiation, which you know that has like a thermal effect effect on the body. It actually heats. Um, you know, the tissue, and, and hence you can use microwaves to heat up food. But um, so cell phone towers and that sort of thing, they're using microwaves, but they're using like low-intensity microwaves. Um, so they, you know, they've, they've found that, okay, there are no thermal effects occurring. It's not heating, you know, bodily tissue or anything like that. Um, so that the controversy is really centered around whether there are non-thermal effects associated with um, uh, this form of radiation uh, you know, non-ionizing radiation is, is, is what it's classified as. Um, but so does uh, that mean that cell phones could be responsible for global warming? <laughs> global warming. Um, I, I don't know about that one. I, I don't have any, Jesus, any information on that topic. <laughs> I'd say that's, uh, probably unlikely. Um, but yeah, bear in mind, I'm, I'm not a scientist or anything like that. I'm just a, a humble researcher. Um, <laughs> my job was just to try and sort of um, connect the dots. I Co suppose. Yeah, collate the research and connect the dots. That's what we need, though. That's great. So yeah. what, is, is uh, high voltage syndrome different than the sensitivity, the hypersensitivity one? Right. I say so high voltage syndrome um, that's uh, that's what we refer to as as, as electric people. Um, so that's that's the name for that condition. Oh, okay, um, so it is different. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so there, there are a lot of lot of different terms out there. I um, um, but yeah, high voltage syndrome. So basically, these are people who who claim that they exert um, an odd effect on electrical equipment. Um, so, for example, they claim that, uh, you know, if they wear a wristwatch, um, that it malfunctions within a very short period of time, uh, that, uh, you know, they can't go near computers because they'll, uh, they'll crash and, and that sort of thing. Um, and also, yeah, exactly. So they, they just have a, a strange effect on, on electrical equipment. 
Um, and also they claim, too, that their bodies build up an unusually large amount of static electricity as well. Um, so, and of course, this does tie into like poltergeist agents as well, because quite a few poltergeist agents are also, you know, electric people. Um, but I suppose one of the most sort of modern uh, manifestations of this would be the street lamp interference phenomenon. Um, and I get a lot of emails from people still because I wrote an article on this <clears throat> and I posted it online. And um, still to this day, this was many years ago that I wrote the article, I'm still getting uh, emails from people saying that, you know, whenever I walk near street lamps, they, um, they, they blink on or they blink off. They, you know, I seem to be able to, I seem to be affecting them just with my presence. Uh, which is which is very mysterious. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Hmm. And so yeah. you're you're seeing a lot of that then. A lot of people coming forward and and talking. Yeah, about exactly. That. Exactly. Yeah, it seems to affect a lot of people. Um, and uh, and 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 the thing is too. Um, well, I I sort of came to the conclusion that maybe street lamps are particularly sensitive. Um, you know, they they could in fact be influencing other gadgets as well or, or other uh, forms of equipment and, and that sort of thing. But perhaps street lamps are particularly particularly sensitive to some kind of um, influence. Um, but, yeah, there's, there's, it's, it's very mysterious. I, I think there might be, um, you know, psychokinesis could be involved, um, you know, sort of uh, mind like a, like over a matter sub, kind like of a thing. Sub, like a subconscious psychokinesis? I mean, I, it's hard yeah, exactly. to believe yep. that some people, like, it's hard to believe that some people, you know, some guys can get hit by lightning like seven times and some people yep. this, this happens to, and, and most people it doesn't like, what's the difference in the, in the people, you know, is it because they just, their makeup yep. is different or is, are they, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I looked into some of the causes of, um, um, I suppose high voltage syndrome, um, you know, how these people become electric people. Um, okay. And certainly um, in a lot of cases, it was due to electric shock. Uh, a lot of them do report having been, um, you know, that they had an accident at home where they, they, they might have um, tried to plug in a, a faulty refrigerator or something like that, and they got an electric shock. And since then, they've um, they've had this weird influence on electrical gadgets. Um and also, uh, like a, an emotional crisis seems to be able to bring it about as well. So sometimes people become electric people after, um, you know, the death of a, of a loved one, someone they were close to. Um, and also lightning as well. Um, I, I did actually uh, exchange quite a few emails with people who claim that, um, yeah, that they, they have been struck by lightning. And that's what brought it about. So, And there's also this fascinating... Um, article that I, I mentioned uh, in my book, Strange Electromagnetic Dimensions, this was a case um, in 1920 in a prison, um, Clinton prison in, in Dan Mora, uh, New York, uh, where there were, I think it was 34 um, prisoners uh, developed what were described as peculiar static electric powers after um, eating uh, contaminated salmon. Um, so they, they developed botulism and, uh, and they Basically, while they were sick uh, with this, uh, uh, you know, with botulism, they, they, as I said, they, they had these peculiar static electric powers and all sorts of weird things were reported like, um, uh, you know, one man was, uh, uh, he scrunched up a, a piece of paper and he was about to throw it into the bin, but it actually stuck to his hand and, and that kind of thing. And uh, apparently they're able to transfer this, um, 
Well, they're able to make objects sort of statically charged and like a piece of paper and then sort of place it on a wall and it would remain, you know, sticking to the wall and that kind of thing. Um, but the weird thing is that it, it doesn't seem to be explainable just by static electricity alone um, because apparently these um, these prisoners were actually remaining statically charged even when their bodies were earthed, for example, when they were in the bath and that kind of thing. And uh, certainly under those conditions, there shouldn't be any static electricity clinging to the body. So it's, it's very strange. As I said, it seems to tie into psychokinesis. There's definitely a sort of a paranormal uh, aspect to this. Um, I mean, we do know that the human body, okay, it can become statically charged. Um, and uh, certainly the human body itself is sort of electrochemical um machine if you like um you know we we have of course there's there's nerve cells muscle cells uh, and there is a very weak electromagnetic field around the body but it's it is it's a very weak field is that um, the same as so, your yeah, chi sorry what was that is that the same as your chi your, what your electromagnetic as... field right yeah that's 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 a very interesting question um I mean, with with uh, you know things like chi and, and and so on, those sorts of terms, um, it's really referring to these kind of subtle energies, um, and this is very much a universal belief. Um, you know, like uh, well, well, I mean, the Chinese they'll 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 call it they call it chi energy, uh, sort of life force energy. Um, Mesmer, of course, talked about animal magnetism. Um, and then, of course, there's uh, you know there's orgone energy, uh, which is what William Reich. Wilhelm Reich uh, termed it. Um, so, Who's Wilhelm Reich and, again? Is he a Nazi? No. <laughs> Was he a Nazi? Um, I don't think so. <laughs> no, um, I wouldn't. Would certainly wouldn't call him a Nazi. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, look, I the, the reason I mentioned Reich is is as I said in relation to Orgone, uh, and he he claimed to have found. Um, you know, scientific evidence for this sort of life force energy, uh, and uh, and he thought that it was distinct from electromagnetism. It was basically a different type of energy, and that the two are actually antagonistic. Um, so that, uh, for example, um, uh, that you know, orgone could become uh, contaminated, if you will, um, upon being exposed to sources of electromagnetism. Um, but yeah, he called it basically life life force energy, that kind of thing, vital energy. Um, so it's very much a universal belief. And um, I, I do look at the theory in my book that that perhaps um, this is the energy behind, you know, psi phenomena, um, you know, psychokinesis, telepathy, et cetera. Maybe that is the, the type of energy that's um, being exchanged, if you like. Um, so I think that's a very interesting idea as well. Looks like Wilhelm Reich's book was banned by the Nazis, so probably not a Nazi. Yeah, it does say we've talked that, about him before. I can't believe you're that. asking these questions. I mean, we we talked. <laughs> he's the one that was involved in the weather modification and like Oregon to disperse clouds and stuff like that. Oh, is he? he? Was, yeah, says here he's also got some ties to the uh, to the free love movement because he claimed that better orgasms could cure society's ills. He's probably right. There you go. Lots of chi in those. Is there? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> watch you don't uh, you don't uh, spontaneously combust. <laughs> You're getting busy with yourself. Is that an issue? What do you think? Uh, spontaneous spontaneous human combustion is that? Um, what do you think's going on there? Is that um, 
over yep. Chian? I always thought it was somebody just like with their cig. I mean, wasn't the skeptical answer way back when, when uh, those magazines first came out talking about it in the 80s, I think it was, or the 70s, that somebody just like was full of alcohol and their cigarette had burned down and caught them on fire? <laughs> I hope I hope those have been debunked since then. Yeah, look, at that's um, it's a topic I've... I look at quite closely um, in my my upcoming book, Borderland Phenomena. Um, there is a section there on spontaneous human combustion. Uh, it's a mystery I've always been fascinated with. It doesn't seem to get a lot of attention these days. Um, a lot of people think that it has been debunked, I suppose. Yeah, maybe that's why um, it's like still left over from decades ago. Just like, yeah, the, but, just like the Bermuda yep. Triangle, you know, same thing. Yep, yep. Yeah, look, it is kind of sort of placed in that same sort of category. Yeah. Um, but there's some really um, intriguing, well-documented cases, uh, and, and it still occurs to this day, of course. It doesn't get as much publicity, I suppose. Um, but basically, it's it's where a body is almost completely incinerated um, when there seems to be no external source of ignition. Um, and usually it seems to happen over a fairly short period of time, like sort of like within an eight- 10-hour period. Uh, the very weird thing is that, um, you know, it's very difficult to to reduce a body to ashes um, because we're talking about the almost complete incineration of a human body. Uh, there might sort of be like a limb remaining, that kind of thing, sometimes a, a foot or something like that. Um, usually the torso is completely burnt away. Um, but the, the bones in some cases are completely... Um, as I say, completely reduced to ash, which is is very peculiar because even if you have a you try to um, you know burn a body in a in, in a crematorium, um, you know it takes a very high temperature, a lot of energy uh, to reduce a body to ash, um, and even then the bones are actually um, uh, they need to be crushed in order to be reduced to ash. So they've actually got to put them in a device that's called a cremulator, which sort of basically um, these large ball bearings spin around and crush the bones and that sort of thing. So uh, the, the question is, how how does this happen? How, um, uh, you know, what is the source of energy involved, I suppose? Um, and, I mean, if, if you sort of look on the internet, um, you know, like you you look at some of the more sort of sceptical articles and that sort of thing, they'll all say that it's to do with the uh, the wick effect, uh, which is the theory that the human body is is more or less um, similar to a sort of a candle in the sense or an inside-out candle where the uh, the clothing is the wick and the, and the fat is the fuel. Hmm. Uh, and that uh, what's happening is there is some form of external ignition, maybe a drop cigarette or, or something like that, a spark from a fire a hot ember or whatever, uh, and that person, um, usually they, they are elderly people uh, who aren't very mobile. So the theory is that their clothing catches on fire, and that starts to melt the fat, and then it sort of draws the fat out of the body, and it sort of continues to burn, uh, you know, very slowly, sort of smolders, um, and that uh, over a very long period, then that that basically is, is what reduces the body to ash. But um, they've tried to replicate this in... Um, you know, they've done all sorts of experiments to try and do this with like pig carcasses and that sort of thing. And none of those experiments have been very successful. I mean, they've they've had difficulty trying to light these bodies, uh, um, these pig carcasses, for example. They've had to um, sometimes pour gasoline on them and that sort of thing. Um, so it's 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 really is a it's a it's a huge mystery. Um, uh, but um, there are many many theories 
for uh, for what causes uh, spontaneous what, human combustion. What's, a couple what's of your, your favorite? Yeah. yeah, right. Okay. Well, I mean, there's um, I suppose. Well, in in my book, I I really focused on the um the sort of poltergeist angle. Um, and this is something that uh, a writer by the name of uh, Vincent Gaddis. I don't know if you guys have heard of him. Um, he was a very famous 14 author. I wrote a lot about the Bermuda Triangle. Apparently, he coined that term, Bermuda Triangle. Huh. Um, but he, he wrote this fantastic book called Mysterious Fires and Lights. Um, and I, I recommend to everyone to, who's inter- interested in 14 stuff to try and get a copy of this book. I think you can find it through um, um, I think Borderland Sciences Foundation. Um, it's a really interesting book. Um, but he came up with the theory that um, – and he tied it into poltergeistry. Uh, he said that, uh, you know, in the in, in the case of poltergeist, um, uh, uh, you know, cases. Uh, so in the case of poltergeist, what's happening is the the energy is being externalized because um, he did believe it was due to the like the you know the subconscious. It was the person's subconscious causing these things to occur. And he said it was it's the energy is externalized and it's used to move objects around, etc. Uh, but in the case of spontaneous human combustion, the energy is actually internalized. And he described it as a form of sort of uh, subconscious suicide. Um, and he mentions the fact that a lot of these victims were actually very depressed individuals. Um, so it's almost as though uh, because of their mental state, uh, that that sort of triggered something in the body that that um, where this energy was internalized and then the person sort of basically burst into flames, which I know sounds a little bit comical, but <laughs> uh, but I think that's a really fascinating uh, way of looking at it. Huh. Mm. Another term to burn up inside. Could, you're burning up inside. I wonder eh? if you could just like raise your vibration too high and then you just, that's it. Too low, I think. Is the, too low? Yeah. You're, <laughs> you know, you're angry and upset, and if you're raising it high, then you wouldn't catch on fire. But, sure. but Michael is high. <clears throat> well, I mean, the, the, the thing is interesting you mentioned that because it, it uh, you know, you, you would have heard of the, the theory that, um, uh, you know, that these experiences are due to the awakening of, um, you know, kundalini energy um, because, uh, you know, the, these, these yogis, they talk about this, uh, that when they're undergoing that experience of awakening this this energy that's sort of supposed to lie at the, the base of the spine and, and sort of like in the form of a, well, they talk about like a sort of coiled serpent and it rises up through the body and activates the chakras and this kind of thing. Uh, and they sometimes describe it as being um, sort of a burning sensation. They talk about how um, if you awaken your kundalini energy too quickly, um, you can actually, well, they, they talk about it actually, the person can... Um, can either sort of go mad or they can uh, actually catch on fire. So, so that's that's another way of looking at it as well. The, the Kundalini energy Take theory. Easy. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, apparently if you activate it too quickly and in the wrong manner, it can have disastrous effects. Yeah. But I don't think this guy's sitting at home drunk with his cigar activating no. his Kundalini. No. No, that's that's the thing. I mean these these people who. Um, you know these victims of of SHC. They're they're not necessarily people who um, would meditate or anything like that. They're usually sort of depressed loners. You know who aren't interested in anything spiritual. I suppose so. So I don't think these are necessarily related to 
kundalini energy or, or anything like that. But I think that's a very interesting angle. Um, and then there's the whole, um, you know, the, the Tibetan monks um, have a practice uh, called Tumo, uh, you know, where they try to um, sort of, they're apparently able to, uh, to, to, you know, basically sort of sit in the snow and, uh, and, uh, and and heat their bodies to the extent where they don't actually need any clothing or anything like that, and they're able to melt the snow around them. Uh, and this is something that uh, Alexandra David Neal talks about in, in, in her book um, about Tibet. She travelled throughout Tibet and and sort of documented some of this stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's that's another way of looking at it too, um, that possibly it's it's got to do with the activation of some sort of energy in the body. Uh, but in the case of SHC, it's... It sort of goes goes haywire or something like yeah, that. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, look but, at what uh, look at what the Iceman does. Uh, Wim Hof, right? He's he can run in the in the desert in his shorts or in the on, up Mount Everest in his shorts. I mean, it's all through his breathing technique where he regulates his body temperature and he can, you know, yep. become hot in the under the ice or or freezing cold about you know in the in the desert. So, like you yep. said, it's like you know, so he's doing it somehow. Mm. Um, you know, organically, yeah. biologic, biologically, and maybe these. This is like just like you said. It's it's that uh, that thing, but yeah. out, of, out of control. Like something sort of. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, what about uh, ball light? I'm interested in this. Uh, we talk about UFOs all the time. Um, you know, ball lightning. I heard you talk about uh, you know that maybe being uh, responsible for some of the sort of orb style sightings, that kind of thing. You want to explain yep. uh, explain that a little bit because that's it's pretty interesting to me. It's hard to imagine um, ball lightning going hmm. in and out of in and out of places and keyholes and chimneys and stuff like that. You want to talk about that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is uh, have to be one of my favorite topics, ball lightning. Um, and this is uh, once again, this is something that that science has has only really accepted in in, in recent decades. Um, I mean that there are many many sightings of ball lightning. Um, you know, going back through human history, but uh, it was only really until like the 1970s that scientists said, okay, this this thing does actually exist. Um, and basically, these are like small balls of light, uh, usually about the size of a grapefruit. Um, they can be a variety of different colors, so red, blue, yellow, orange. Um, and ball lightning usually manifests during thunderstorm activity. Um, it's usually occurs after a, a, a strike of lightning to the ground. Um, and um, and usually what happens is these these objects, they'll um, basically just stick around for a few seconds and then they 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 explode, um, in some cases quite violently. Um, so ball lightning has a very short lifespan in most cases. But the weird thing is that there are cases where the object remains for a longer period of time and it seems to exhibit some kind of intelligence. Um, so, you know, there's there's heaps of sightings of, for example, um, ball lightning. Um, well, yes, it can squeeze through through the keyhole of a door. That's that that's reported. Well, there aren't many reports like that, but I've I've come across quite a few. Um, and but but usually what will happen is, you know, there'll be like an open window or something like that. The the object will enter the home via the window. And in some cases, it will very carefully explore the the room, uh, and then it will exit 
via the via the window, the same window, that kind of thing. So it definitely seems that. to yeah. exhibit some form of intelligence. Yeah. Well, or is it just simply following the electrical current or like around the room and out the door? I mean, is it just taking the path yep. of least resistance or something like that? Through the fucking it, keyhole yeah, is the path of least resistance? Well, the only way out. I mean, obviously it doesn't go under the door, it goes through the keyhole. I mean, what you think it's... Yep. Uh, so do you think there's some intelligence or is it just strictly an electromagnetic type thing? Yeah, look, I mean, I, I say, I suppose most scientists would probably say, oh, look, yeah, it's just sort of following the electrical wires and that sort of thing. It just appears to be behaving in an intelligent manner. Um, but, you know, I've come across reports where, um, for example, there was one case where the object enters the room and it was, uh, uh, you know, it was it was like hovering over a rug and it was actually tracing the patterns in the rug which is very mysterious. It was basically, you know, sort of following those patterns in the rug, which is, you know, how do you explain something like that, for example? Um, and also the other thing too is sometimes it will very carefully circle around a person and that kind of thing. Um, so how, how and, could you, why, so why isn't that an orb then? Like how do you tell the difference between ball lightning and a legit orb? Yep. Yep. Well, that's, that's a, that's a good question because the thing is that, you know, it it all depends on really what kind of label we give these things. I mean, in, in the case of ball lightning, usually it's reported as ball lightning when it manifests during a thunderstorm. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, and so there's that association. Um, but it's kind of a loose association because sometimes these objects are reported during fine weather as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, but it seems as though we're dealing with a whole variety of, of different phenomena. Yeah. Um, and uh, and you know then you have things like like earth lights for example which tend to sort of haunt specific locations, and they seem to be associated with the the geology of the area. So um, you know um, deposits of minerals and and fault lines and that kind of thing, right? Yeah. Um, and there seems to be a different sort of mechanism involved. Um, but these things are very much connected to the earth. They they are produced by the earth. Um, but in some cases, in some very rare cases, they do seem to have some form of intelligence. And you certainly see that in the case of um, of earth lights. I mean, you, you may have read um, some of Paul Devereaux's books on, on earth lights. He, yeah, he we some, had him on a, a couple of years stuff. ago, yeah. Yeah. I was going to yep. say, I thought, yeah, I thought we had Paul Devereaux on. Yeah, yeah. Really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, but the, the thing is, too, I, I in, in my books, I've um, – I've looked at this um, in, in in relation to the Foo Fighter phenomenon as well. So this is really how the modern era of UFOs um, came into being. It, it really goes back um, to World War earlier II, than yeah. Kenneth Arnold's yeah. famous sighting. It goes back to World War II when the uh, uh, you know radar was being developed uh, and the Allies were seeing these strange objects, these balls of light, um, small balls of light that would uh, toy with their planes and that sort of thing, um, you know, sometimes circle around the aircraft uh, and they, you know, totally confusing and, and baffling these pilots. And, of course, the Allies thought, well, it's probably some form of secret weapon developed by the Nazis, etc. cetera. Uh, but then it turns out, of course, the Germans and the Japanese were also seeing these things as well. Um, you know, the extraterrestrial hypothesis would would suggest or would argue i suppose that um that these were um sort of alien probes or something like that um but i really see it in terms of a sort of a, a natural phenomenon um so and then of course interestingly enough too was kenneth arnold's um uh sighting of those nine shiny objects that he described 
um, in the state of Washington. He actually later came to um, to believe that what he'd actually seen was some form of of life. Um, you know, sort of this this goes uh, this uh, relates to the sky creature theory, which says that um, you know UFOs are actually living creatures that that inhabit the the atmosphere and only manifest under very special conditions. So Kenneth Arnold actually subscribed to that theory. He didn't think that what he saw that day, and he did have other sightings as well, was actually extraterrestrial in origin. He thought it was um, some form of life that that, that you know that um, we we you know. Uh, weren't really able to, uh, or that we knew very little about, and that um, that scientists would one day sort of be able to to study and, and understand, I suppose. Um, so so that, that was the, thing I, the thing I don't understand about the about the Foo Fighters and that being a natural yep. phenomenon is, and where did it go? Yep. Why why did it just disappear? I mean, why? Yeah. Why hmm. in why in in that war, which you know, yep. would it just all of a sudden then you know, did we change the way hmm. we're like how yeah. I just yeah, yeah. That's 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 a very good question. Um, but I, that seems to be the case with with the UFO phenomenon, where um, there seems to be all these different phases to it. I suppose. Um, I mean, you know, there was there was the Foo Fighter phenomenon. Um, I mean, there were, there were reports of like uh, you know uh, sort of cigar shaped objects and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, and then I suppose there are the more sort of sophisticated sightings and, and then we have like the abduction phenomenon, et cetera. Um, but with the Foo Fighters, um, I mean, there's, there's this great book called The Cosmic Pulse of Life. You, you may have read it uh, by a man named Trevor James Constable. Uh, and he, he developed the theory that um, what was actually happening was uh, – uh, you know, because of the widespread use of radar, because we were sort of sending out all these, um, uh, you know, these microwaves into the atmosphere, bombarding the atmosphere with microwave energy, uh, that that was actually having a negative impact on these living creatures. And that was um, interfering with them to the point where they were sort of manifesting, I suppose. Uh, and and he, he believes that was the case with the Foo Fighters. Um, he, he believed that they were normally invisible, but under certain special conditions, they could manifest. Uh, and he said it was to do with the, you know, mankind's use of of artificial sources of electromagnetism, sort of energizing the planet and and allowing these things to to appear, I suppose, to human vision. That's like some Final yeah. Fantasy shit right there. Well, I was going <laughs> to say because, like, you know, they say that life on Earth might have started from lightning striking the primordial yeah. soup or whatever the fuck you want to call it. But if, mm. I mean, if we're seeing yeah. light, like I, Graham and I were just watching a video, there's some ball lightning in, in Siberia where the lightning strikes and then you've got That's this super ball there. Bright, though. Like that it just was makes super you wonder bright. if it isn't some sort of, if life isn't created there for a second and then it sort of fucking fithers out somehow, you know, almost like a glitch in the yep. matrix for a second where it's not supposed to happen, but it just happened. And mm. then the, because it's yeah. not in the primordial soup, it just evaporates. Is that or some like Star Trek Q stuff going on? Maybe he's like... Remember Q and Star Trek before QAnon ruined everything? <laughs> it was just um, like that ultimate being that could just do whatever he wanted. Right. I must admit I'm not familiar with that character. No, me neither. Um, me neither. Uh, <laughs> what is he talking about? But look, I mean, we, we may be dealing with some, yeah, some sort of plasma-based life. Um, and, and maybe this uh, this life form inhabits you know, another dimension, like a parallel parallel dimension or something like that, but it is able to manifest in our dimension and 
in order to do that, it, it has to take on some kind of physical form and it, it chooses plasma uh, to manifest in, in physical form. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, a, yeah, that's a good I know point. that's a pretty wild theory, but I think it's very interesting. Yeah, or just using it as a vehicle or, you know, it could be manifesting or maybe just, you know, riding along. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And yep. that kind of brings yep. me to like... It's the universe trying to observe itself yeah. without psychedelics. Yeah, but yet you're you're not so much of a proponent uh, proponent of uh, the ET, ETH, the extraterrestrial hypothesis. Um, um, no, no, yeah. not, not, not really. I, 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 to begin with, when I first started um, looking into the UFO phenomenon, I uh, probably would have been in my teens at, at that point. I was reading a lot of books on it, and uh, I was really sucked into this uh, all this abduction stuff. And yeah. uh, and I, I did truly believe that these were you know physical beings that were coming down and and you know taking people and uh, experimenting on them and that kind of thing. Um, but the the closer I looked at it, um, I, I saw less and less evidence for that. Um, and um, and as I said too, I, I you know you, you got to look at you know things like sleep paralysis and uh, and that sort of thing as well. You've got to look at sort of out of body experiences, etc. Um, but I, I I really don't see any sort of hard physical evidence for um for there being well aliens visiting Earth. I mean there there obviously is a, a physical component to it, uh, and you know that's why you can have things like um oh you know like saucer nests and and that sort of thing or, or burnt patches in the ground where these objects have supposedly landed. Um, but, uh, you know, this could be explained by, um, you know, uh, plasma physics, so these, you know, because these objects might in some cases be quite hot, could be a hot form of plasma. Um, and also the, uh, you know, they could be emitting very powerful electromagnetic fields as well. So perhaps when people do come in, in close contact with these objects, um, they can stimulate the brain in such a way. Uh, that that person has a kind of visionary experience, I suppose. Or, know, or maybe vice, vice versa, maybe. I mean, there's a lot of groups. I yep. mean, I, I participate in one myself, but there's a lot of groups now around the world that are, go. you know, meditate. Yep. Well, no, but it's, this is an important point so of it. You guys med we're meditating, batteries next time. We're meditating and, and focusing on, you know, on UFOs and they show up. I mean, the lights flashing, yep. uh, low flyers hmm. coming by. And I mean, I, I'm not saying they're ET, but they could be. You know, I mean, who yep. knows what it could be, but there's some connection there yep. when we go out yep. and look for them. And, and they didn't, they didn't seem to be doing that hmm. in the nineties, but now they're, you know, I'm hearing from groups all over the place that people are seeing yep. stuff and, and it's not planes and it's not, uh, you know, it might be orbs, yep. might be ball lightning. It might be, uh, other types of yep. light phenomena, but it seems intelligent hmm. because it comes when, when the, we ask it to, and it. Inter, it yeah. somewhat interacts with us. So how is there hmm. still room for without ET? What, there's yeah. there's still room for a couple things, but it's pretty hard to yeah to come up with a proper answer for that. Yeah, look, I um uh you know I, I'm a big fan of uh, of Jacques Vallée's uh, books on 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 his approach to to ufology. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, books like Passport to Magonia. Uh, where he looks at it in terms of um, or explores it in, in relation to, um, you know, like the, the, the fairy tradition uh, and that sort of thing. Uh, another way of looking at it too is 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 in relation to the, the jinn tradition as well, mm -hmm. uh, which is a, you know, this the Arabic. Trickster, almost the trickstery thing in a way. Yeah, exactly. So 
so that really, uh, you know, that those two sort of uh, actually um, uh, tie together, uh, you know, the fairy tradition, the jinn tradition, uh, they seem to be saying pretty much the same thing. But the idea is that there are these, you know, invisible beings that um, inhabit a, uh, a parallel world, I suppose, um, that they can perceive us, but we can't perceive them, and that occasionally they can enter this dimension or this this plane of existence, our dimension, uh, and and manifest um, physically for short periods of time. And, and basically, you know, they're supposed to be shapeshifters. They can take on any form that they choose. Um, so I think there's, there's something going on there. I, I do believe that there's some other form of intelligence interacting with uh, humanity. Um, but I, I sort of see that more in terms of, of as I said, like the Jacques Vallée's ideas of, of, of um, this being the same thing as, as, as what, you know, uh, I suppose our ancestors would have called fairies, um, you know, so so very similar thing to that. Um, but as as far as like extraterrestrials goes, I mean, that that's saying that they come from another planet, um, that they actually, um, yeah, they come here from another part of the universe. And, and, and they, in they a have physical to craft or whatever, like it's more, it's yeah. more, yeah, okay. Yeah, exactly. That, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, but you know, I, I don't discount that that idea as well. I mean, that maybe maybe some of these sightings that have happened were actually um, you know extraterrestrial in origin. Um, you know, so yeah, who knows? Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. Well, mm. I want to touch back on something that we kind of skipped over a little bit, probably because it's uh, it's the, one of the most yeah. important parts of your research, I think, and I don't think we hit it en- enough. And before we run out of time here. It's the it's yeah. the negative health effects, or or if there's enough research to show negative health effects from, you know, man-made yeah. artificial electromagnetic fields. So not you know not the the mm. natural stuff that we're that we're you know that we've evolved to, to yeah. uh, to be a part of, but the, all this artificial mm. stuff. Can you, can you yeah. get into that a little bit more before we run out of time? Yeah, no, absolutely. So. Um, all I can really say is that I, I think people should um, uh, certainly look at the the research that's been done in this. Um, there have been some, there are some very credible studies that have been done into this, um, looking at the you know adverse health effects of artificial electromagnetic fields. Um, as I said, some of these studies indicate that it's um, uh, that it's it's possibly got to do with um, uh, the suppression of the production of melatonin in the body, then that in turn, as I said, disrupts the sleep-wake cycle, uh, lowers the person's immunity. Uh, there is another uh, other studies which indicate too that there could be some kind of um, stress re- re- sorry stress response occurring as well, that it actually induces a state of stress in the body. Um, and I, um, for a period, I lived in a house fitted with a with a smart meter. This was in two thousand and twelve. Oh yeah, that's what I wanted to ask you about. Yeah. Yeah, and um, and I was working on a book at that stage, uh, and so this device was installed in the home. Smart meters, of course, are just different to analog electricity meters that need to be read by a person. Uh, smart meters actually transmit the the data, uh, you know, directly to the electricity provider. So, and they use very short, sharp bursts of radio frequency radiation, uh, and some of these bursts that have been measured are, are very strong but basically what happened was i was working on a book at that stage i started to notice that um i felt very agitated um and that my health just uh, wasn't so good my immune system didn't be didn't seem to be uh, uh, uh coping very well um and then i i i 
you know, realized, oh, okay, well, there, there has been a smart meter installed on the home. I wonder if that's got something to do with it. Huh. And um, and I was I came across all these articles um, because they were rolling out smart meters throughout Melbourne at that stage. Um, so they were just coming along and even without people's permission, et cetera, they were just taking out the analog electricity meter and installing a smart meter. And there were so many reports, so many people describing very similar symptoms, uh, this feeling of agitation, being very stressed uh, and not knowing why. Um, and, uh, and, and in some cases, there were you know people having to leave their homes and that sort of thing. They were saying that ever since this device was installed, uh, that they, they just felt that they could not remain in their home. They had to just get out. Um, you know, it was a, sort of like they're in a state of panic, I suppose. Um, so I think these are the things that people need to look out for. They need to obviously take into consideration their own mental health and, and that sort of thing um, and not necessarily jump to conclusions. Um, but uh, but I'd say in a lot of cases what's really happening here is that it's it's really affecting people's mental health. It's, it's causing or, or basically contributing to things like anxiety, depression, et cetera, because there's kind of an epidemic of, of all these sort of mental health problems. Um, and there is research into this. I mean, it is going back um, even in the 1970s, the you know, Soviet researchers, Eastern European researchers, they came up with the term uh, radio wave sickness to, to um, uh, explain this condition where, where people were having all these health effects as a result of exposure to artificial sources of electromagnetism. They specifically listed, uh, you know, feelings of stress and irritability, uh, headaches, et cetera. So all, all these things are... Um, Definitely people need to be very cautious, I think. Um, and, and unfortunately, it's at a point where we can't do anything about it. We're just totally immersed in this stuff. Uh, but nonetheless, there are maybe small things you can do. You can certainly switch off devices in your house when you're not using them. I mean, I'd, I'd turn off the, the Wi-Fi when I'm not using it. I certainly don't sleep with it on. Um, so we need to try and sort of minimise our exposure a little bit because we don't know what sort of effect these things are having on the human body. Yeah, that's a tough one, man. Because like, if I if I mm. shut my Wi-Fi off, there's probably like twenty yep. other ones flying by that I can grab <laughs> with my phone. So like, exactly. is that I feel yeah. like I feel like it's just not even worth it. I mean, I'm, I probably yep. my Wi-Fi is probably yep. not even the closest one to my head. You know? Yeah, it's probably yeah, yeah. the neighbor's Wi-Fi that's right, like literally ten feet yep. past my window or something like that. Or, Ooh, if I shut off my yeah. Wi-Fi, there wouldn't be another wi-fi for a long time wow that's pretty good so i mean the other thing is the smart meter can be quite the rabbit hole like did you have to either yep. tamper your yourself from going down that rabbit hole or i mean there's a whole bunch of stuff now people are talking about uh, mm. spontaneous fires from the from the smart meters yep. and also the ability to measure exactly what you're doing inside the house depending on the the voltage yep. and the stuff and they can see your routine and people have access to that information mm. that they know exactly what yep. I'm doing around my house just because of that, that smart meter. Like, mm. did you, did you get into any yeah. of that or did you pretty much stick to uh, the local well, problem I, that you were having with it? Yeah. Look, I mean, we, uh, my uh, wife at the time uh, and, and I, we didn't stay in that house very long. So, um, um, you know, it was only like another six months or so when we, we ended up moving uh, to another city. Um, so, and certainly we didn't didn't have any problems after that. We moved into a house that wasn't fitted with a smart meter, thankfully. Um, but I think that the main thing is here is it's it's not necessarily the amount of of, of um, electromagnetism or artificial electromagnetism in the environment. You've got to look at sort of, I suppose, specific frequencies and that kind of thing. Um, people seem to be sensitive to certain types of frequencies. 
Um, very often it's, it's sort of within the radio frequency range. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what, uh, well, probably a little bit scary too, to see what happens in the case <laughs> yeah. of 5G, for example. Yeah. Um, um, but I, I, I think too that, that you know, people, you know, should try and refrain from, from, from getting carried away with this stuff too because I, I suppose basically we, we do have to live with it. We do have to tolerate it to some extent. Uh, there's just nothing else we can do. Um, I mean, it might mean in some cases that person that a person might need to um, to take better care of their mental health or something like that, or, or you know, I mean, I you know, maybe even talk to a psychologist or or what have you. But um, but yeah, as I said, the experiment is happening right now, so we are very much the guinea pigs in all this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not a very comforting thought. Um, but yeah, what what can you do? I mean, it's 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 there's money in it in this technology. It, it can't be stopped at this point. It's you know, no, we're going to, we're going to evolve to, to deal with it physically, probably, you know, may, over, maybe, over yeah. the decades, over the generations, uh, yeah. it'll just become, become a part mm. of it or we'll become resilient <laughs> or the, you know, the weak ones will die off or however, however that's going to happen. <laughs> I mean, exactly. Know. Maybe that's the case. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, or maybe, you know, it's, it's, uh, going to pave the way for, uh, you know, artificial intelligence taking over, yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. so I'll be able to maybe exactly. tolerate this stuff and we yeah. won't. <laughs> that's the only reason we're here. Yeah. Oh, Darren, yeah. going back to the simulation. Usher that in. Again. That's <laughs> it. We're just here to feed the simulation. It's going to eat us. Yeah. Right yeah. on. Well, thanks for getting up uh, early on your, I don't know if it's a, is it a holiday weekend over there in Tasmania? Um, well, fortunately I'm not working today. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, uh, I've had a few days off recently. Um, so yeah, in order to do these sorts of things, do interviews and that sort of thing, I only work on a, on a really on a casual basis, but, uh, but yeah, no, it's, um, getting up to midday over here in Tassie, but it's, uh, it's been fantastic talking to you guys. Tassie and, uh, baby. So yeah, that's great. how many people are in Tassie? Do how many know, people? Do you know Gordon um, White? Well, I, I know how many people are in, in, in where I live in Burnie, which is sort of around 20,000. It's, you know, it's a pretty small place, um, pretty isolated. Um, but Tassie itself, I'm, I'm not too sure. But it is, it's, it hasn't got a very big population, that's for sure. We are very much, I mean, obviously cut off from the mainland. And, and Tassie is a sort of a world in itself, I suppose, you know. Um, people would say that things are a little bit backwards here, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I bet it's wonderful. So when's your uh, when's your book coming out then your new one the one on uh, and on um, Borderland phenomena? Yeah, yep. So that's being published by um, August Night Books, which is uh, Robbie Graham's uh, publishing company. Oh. It's affiliated with White Crow Books. Nice. Um, so it's been it's been a good opportunity to work with uh, with Robbie. He's a, a fine publisher and and, and so on. Um, and yeah, we had him uh, on too. Some good books himself. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's coming out uh, in January, so January next year. Okay, it should be. Best. Yeah, awesome. We'll keep an eye open for it, and we'll uh, we'll link to it, and we'll you know we'll link to all your other stuff as well, all the other books, and uh, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll have you on again. We're gonna chat yeah. again here in the new year, early in the new year, and we'll we'll, we'll talk about hmm. the moon. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. Yeah, good, Look yeah. forward to it. Yeah, it's one of our favorite, right. favorite topics. Thanks, buddy. Right on. Enjoy the day over in Tassie. Okay. Thanks, okay. guys. Take Bye care. For now. Bye. There you have it, Louis Brown. Louis. 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 K.
King yeah. Louis. Jeez, you tried to ra- what? You railroad him a couple times there, eh? Calling uh, Reich a Nazi <laughs> and all kinds of stuff. What was what was it? What's gotten into you on this? Uh, no more Sunday afternoon interviews. <laughs> I thought. Well, I don't know. I heard Wilhelm Reich. I thought Nazi. <laughs> oh, For some reason, I got caught up in. Uh, I thought I was thinking Project Paperclip. Yeah, the, right. yeah, no, that's fair enough. But I mean, just to he throw did not it out see there, that coming. Yeah, no, he got nervous. Yeah, he got, yeah. Well, I mean, especially nowadays, geez, yeah, he's throwing that out there. He already doesn't do a lot of podcasts. Yeah, now he's never going to come back. Yeah, he's yeah. coming back. Oh, they're calling people Nazis on there. <laughs> they're throwing f bombs, throwing f bombs around. Oh, there's a couple f bombs. He rolled. Those, he rolled with them pretty good, though. Yeah, he was a good sport. Big in thanks end, to King yeah. Louis over in Tassie yeah. for coming on the show. You ever heard of Map of Tassie? Do you know what that is? No. Map of Tassie. It's a map of Tasmania. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what it is? It's a, it's a symbol for something. No, I don't know. The Tasmanian from devil. China. Oh, is it? Yeah. Why is that? It's in that shape. Oh. They, call, they say they, nice map of Tassie. Who says that? Australians? Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Does it have like a mountain? No, let's not get into it. Big thanks to Louie for coming on the show. Of course, we're going to do it. He did uh, that great book on the moon as well. So we're going to do another show about that down the road. Of course, uh, half our listeners who think the moon doesn't exist aren't going to tune into that one. But what can you do? We can't make everyone happy over here in America. We try, though. We do try. Check out America.ca slash support, guys, so you can check out all the different options you can do to support the show. Actually, nowadays, you just enter your own. You can pick a monthly, yearly, one yeah. time, support the show. Yeah, we do need your help with bills. We need your help. Otherwise, we can't uh, We can't do it. It costs a fortune yep. over here, and uh, you know we don't even have a roof over our heads at this point, so we need some support. It really does help out. And um, yeah, and then you get to do things like get tickets to CAC before everyone else, so you get to go do the Randall Carlson hangout while other people are still waiting because they don't support the Grime America show. That's all you can handle with Randall in Colorado. Or Randall Occurrence. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. yeah. Ground will be there too, so will I. Get your tickets, motherfuckers. GrimeAmerica.ca slash support. Everything else is in the newsletter. It's all in the newsletter. Check out the newsletter right now. Do everything in the newsletter. And then uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. And we will see you next week. Season's greetings from the Grimerica Show podcast. Gather round the fireplace. Help yourself to some hot cocoa with the little marshmallows in it. Maybe have a candy cane or two. And maybe some cookies. It's so warm and jolly. Grime Merry Christmas. Podcasting from the igloo. Darren plays jingle bells on the didgeridoo. And over there, that's Graham crying tears of joy. As he listens in on the little drummer boy. I see you've acquainted yourself with T Ron. Yeah, it's true, he puffs Christmas trees on medicinal. Wait a second, is that? Yeah, I think that's Sasquatch beneath the mistletoe. Get over here, Graham. Thank you for saving me and give me a kiss. And it looks like Napoleon Doom is decorating the room with tinsels, ribbon, popcorn, on strings, and what's that? Yes, they are in bloom. And you might ask, who's that in the green and red Lucia Libre mask? Why, of course, that's RPJ. Feliz Navidad. It's so warm and jolly. Cry, Mary.
Christmas Podcasting from the igloo Darren plays jingle bells on the didgeridoo And over there that's Graham crying tears of joy As he listens in on the little drummer boy Boom, boom, boom You'll get a warm and fuzzy feeling if you donate to the Grind America show. So get in the spirit, reach down in your pocket and make it rain. Uh, I mean, uh, let us know, make it snow, let us know, let us know, make it snow. Donate to the show. Donate to the show. Donate to the show. It's so warm and jolly. Cry Merry Christmas. Podcasting from the igloo. Darren plays jingle bells on the didgeridoo. And over there, that's Graham crying tears of joy. As he listens in on the little drummer boy. Boom, boom, boom.